Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. How about the Pacers last night? Pacers with a big win, baby. Right in the face of LeBron James. Benedict Matherin, 23-8. LeBron James, 21-7 in terms of points and rebounds, respectively. And the Pacers get a huge win at the buzzer from Andrew Nimhard in Los Angeles in what is undoubtedly the sports storyline of the morning in Indianapolis, right? Do we need, like, a junior statue next to Matherin? <laughs> That's for right. For Mr. Nimhard? <laughs> hey, How about Nimhard, that right in LeBron James' face? They loved Nimhard when they got him, and you're starting to see why. I mean, this is a... Solid young team that is ahead of schedule. Absolutely ahead of schedule. You've got one team in the Pacers that is managing to turn the clock forward, and you got another team in the in the Colts that is setting us back a decade. Well, actually, not that because people would like for them to be back a decade, right? You know, any fan. Well, I think their offense is back a decade, right? Well, probably about three decades right. now that I think about it. Um, any fan that went through that Colts game and then came home and said, "You know what? Nineteen down with eight to go. I'm going to stick it." Stick it out with the Pacers. No, because you were rewarded. Because if you were watching the Colts, you had it ingrained in yourself of a loser mentality of rollover and let the clock run out and let a team with three wins come in and beat you. Right? Yeah, for a long time, it was like, oh boy, um, this is why the Colts have been grounded from prime time for so long. Good Tuesday morning to you, Kevin Bowen, Jake Query, and Mark Dykton. Um, Colts lose 24-17. Uh, the Pacers, Andrew Nemhart hits a game-winning three last night on kind of a chaotic sequence. Uh, it, it was one of those moments of this is why you love sports, watching that scene play out. Kevin Pritchard, I thought Rick Carlisle said it so accurately afterwards, he looked like Jim Valvano running out on the floor to celebrate with his team. It was, it was kind of a Mark Cuban moment out of Kevin Pritchard as they beat the Lakers on that game-winning three. Um Jake, it's an archaic offense for the Colts. Uh, I think we can finally remove the Colts from the old uh, in-the-hunt graphic. Um, You guys accurately were dumbfounded when I brought up glass half full. uh, Playoffs for the final six games. What do the Colts need to do? Last night sealed their fate. And now we're watching draft order for the rest of the season because it's a chaotic offense. It's a quarterback that looks incredibly old. Um, it's an archaic offense. It's a quarterback that looks incredibly old, and the Jeff Saturday jolt is gone. Kevin, the thing that, uh, and good morning, everybody. It is Kevin and Query here on 93.5107.5, The Fan. The thing to me as I was, a couple of things that jumped out at me as I was watching that game last night. Number one, no organization wants their fan base to be checked out. And I'll give Colts fans credit. They were there. They were excited. They were loud. They, in terms of volume, were outnumbered, though, by a franchise, admittedly, that always travels well. As you see, even at three and whatever they were coming in, you know, Pittsburgh's year has been long written off. And that place, I don't care what the... I mean, I was there. It was loud. When I when I got... I got there very shortly after kick. And when I was walking in and was waiting for one of the, not one, but whopping two elevators in Lucas Oil Stadium, so it's a minimum 10-minute wait sitting there waiting for an elevator, 
But I heard a, a roar of the crowd. I thought, oh, the Colts scored. I looked up at the monitor, and it was a defensive stop for Pittsburgh. And I'm like, this sounds like a home game. There were a lot of those early in the game, defensive stops. Correct. But this is the reality. And I'm hesitant to say it, Kevin, because people think it is our job as broadcasters to to objectively opine on things and not allow anything other than results on the field to factor into opinion. And because I have made fun of Chris Ballard a little bit, I think people th- I have no issue with Chris Ballard as a guy. I don't know the guy. I don't know him. We've had him on this show. That's really the extent of my relationship. Maybe that's my fault. I don't know. So it is. It is this is none of this is personal at all. But that team last night, as I was watching it, and I was thinking about what Jim Irsay must be thinking while he's looking at. And granted, he doesn't care because forty percent of every dollar goes right to his pocket, regardless of what fan base is buying the ticket. But If he was disappointed to see 40% of that stadium last night wearing black and gold, if that disappointed him, what should have disappointed him more was the fact that what we saw on display was a huge wagon of crap that was all coming from the areas that we were told they were going to take care of. Their offensive line sucked. Their left tackle sucked. Their ability to get to the quarterback, for the most part, sucked. They got carved up by a rookie quarterback that supposedly has little hands. They got carved up by, at times, a receiver that they passed on because the receiving core was okay and all they heard about was wideouts. Every single thing that we heard about that they were going to take care of and every single thing that, quite frankly, the fans and the supporters of the Indianapolis Colts and the observers of the Indianapolis Colts mentioned as concern heading into the season, we were condescendingly told we didn't know what we were talking about and we were chicken little. Well, that was chicken bleep. Right? Is there any other way to say it? Yeah, I said last week, Jake, the firing of Frank Reich, it exposes Chris Ballard. It, it makes his roster vulnerable. It, it all of a sudden says, oh, coaching was the issue. Um, now we're going to bring in this new guy and leadership and accountability is going to change. And uh, we have the right personnel. J- Jim Mercer has said this publicly. Um, he's reached out to whether it's Bob Kravitz or Mike Chappell or Stephen Holder. Um, he's made it very clear that he thinks the personnel is adequate enough to get it done. And I think the further we get away from the Frank Reich firing and the Jeff Saturday hiring, we are seeing that this is an extremely flawed roster construction, particularly on the offensive side of the ball. Um, A refusal to make any moves at the positions you just laid out from a veteran standpoint. O-line, running back, or excuse me, O-line, wide receiver, tight end in supporting Matt Ryan. And then again, when you continually go down the revolving door at quarterback route, you're going to have some of the mistakes that we continue to see from this team, particularly in the turnover department. I mean, if you look at both the turnovers last night, you could argue both of them were timing miscommunication issues with your top running back and your top wide receiver. And Michael Pittman and Jonathan Taylor not on the same page with Matt Ryan there. Um Hey, the good news is, Kevin, this is the really good news, the optimism, and and the the Colts are sneaky, man. Give the Colts credit. I mean, playing chess while everybody else is playing checkers, right? Knowing how to make the sausage. This is sneaky level stuff that you look at and you go, that's why they're an upper echelon NFL franchise. To be able to go out and and think about, I mean, don't, don't overestimate this. I mean, this is sneaky good stuff. If you're Chris Ballard... 
You're waking up this morning and you are moving the rook in the pawn and everybody else is just sitting there trying to get kinged on the other side because they're playing checkers and you're playing chess. And hallelujah on the beauty of it to go out there and say, make Kenny Pickett who is still trying to figure out whether or not he can last in this league after throwing three touchdowns and eight interceptions coming into the game. Let's make him look like a viable option so that the Steelers are willing to part with Mitchell Trubisky and we've got another quarterback next year. That's some smart-ass stuff, man. I'm telling you. You know, it's pretty pathetic watching the Colts try and move the football vertically right now. Um, And it's multiple areas that are deficient there. Um, Again, Matt Ryan, the arm looks arm looks borderline shot to me. I, I don't know if he's still having lingering effects from the right shoulder sprain last month, um, but it is taking the ball a whole long time to get to whoever he's targeting. Again, nothing vertical down the field, and, and that is offensive line and pass protection inability to hold up. Basically, it's either Pittman or Pierce have, has a jump ball. That's the only time you're testing things down the field, and you're not taking enough chances. You know, We, we heard all offseason long you got to make the layups in reference to Carson Wentz. Well, you got to shoot some three-pointers, too. You have to take chances down the field. You saw it on the final drive of the game. You've got to be willing to test the defense vertically, or else you're going to see exactly what we saw on the first X amount of drives last night, where Pittsburgh is blanketing and suffocating anything the Colts are trying to do from a passing game standpoint. Matt Ryan could have had, what, four balls picked off in the first 15 minutes of that game? Yeah. And there are so many times you looked at Pittsburgh's ability to challenge Matt Ryan passes versus the Colts' inability to challenge Kenny Pickett passes, and it looked like two different defenses, two different passing attacks, and that is the passing defense that was ranked 31st in the NFL entering last night. Kevin, do you think... I, I Last night, I, I and again... The Pacers won last night in L.A. against the Lakers. We'll talk about that this morning as well. I mean, it it deserves to be talked about. It was an impressive win. But the Colts only play 16 times a year, or 17, and this year it is going to be 17. Surely, sixth time in eight years, by the way, looking at a missed playoff. Surely, last night was the the page-turner for the Colts, right? Yeah, I mean, you had to get I to mean, nine wins to have any hope, correct. and now you're 4-7-1 and, and you have five games to go. And you have your hardest schedule, you know, the hardest stretch of the schedule coming up. And at Dallas, your bye week at Minnesota, the Chargers, and at the Giants. As Jake said, um, thriller last night for the Pacers in LA, that comeback victory. Um, if I'm Matt Ryan, I don't know if I would be wanting to go back and watch the ESPN broadcast of the game. Troy Aikman <laughs> did not mince words and yeah, what, what all did I? What he had to say about Matt Ryan at every chance he could get, he mentioned how just pathetic and putrid and you know whatever word you want to throw in there for the Colts passing offense, uh, and in particular, Matt Ryan. Jake, he just looks old to me. Like I feel like when the pocket starts to collapse just a little bit, he then crumbles. Where he he panics, he gets jittery, the eyes don't make any sort of progressions from there. I mean, you see it on the Pittman interception early on in that game. And again, I just look at that arm and think, I, I, I know it didn't have a ton of velocity left in at the age of 37, 
but there are some balls that you're hoping and praying get to guys on the perimeter when they do try and throw it somewhat down the field. Um, I thought the stat of the night that kind of summed it up from ESPN, uh, the Colts did not have their first completion until the 7, I think it was the 7.05 mark of the second quarter. So that's about, what, a third of the way through the game? It's the longest such drought, such drought to start a game the NFL has seen since the Denver Broncos started a wide receiver at quarterback during the COVID season of 2020. Do you think when Troy Aikman was calling out, basically saying that there was zero arm strength of Matt Ryan. And we've basically, he was saying Matt Ryan stinks we, in, in a little bit of a nicer way. We, we've been down this road in Indianapolis before of noodle arms, right? I mean, we, we've gone over this before with people, but is, is there any chance that Troy Aikman was giving us inside information of what he's been told from either Matt Ryan or somebody else? Of like, look, man, they're, they're at, what they're asking me to do is just not possible. Is there any chance of that? Maybe a little, but Jake, I just think it's kind of obvious. And I appreciate Troy Aikman's candor and being in the quarterback club and not coddling Matt Ryan because it's awful right now. It's absolutely awful watching this passing offense try to do anything. Um, The other thing I thought of last night, Jake, (laughs) you imagine Peyton Manning on the Manning cast having to accurately talk about that one, having to talk about Jeff Saturday's time management to end the game. No idea what the Colts were doing there in letting over a minute run off the clock, running two plays. What you do in that situation, Jake, is you don't take a timeout. So now you have two rookies lined up next to each other in Bernard Ryman and Jelani Woods. Jelani Woods has missed a lot of time lately. Ryman hasn't been a full-time starter all year. You've got a running back that's not used to two-minute drills. You've got a first-time play caller really in that moment. The youngest play caller in the NFL. And you're saying, in chaos, we're going to thrive. And in reality, Alex Highsmith, who leads the AFC in sacks, um, entering this week, he literally, on that play, said, oh, I knew right away when I saw Jelani Woods line up and I saw Jonathan Taylor in the backfield, I knew exactly what was going to happen. And boom, he blows up that play in the backfield. That sets up fourth down. And then on fourth down, even if you convert in that situation, you've got to burn a timeout there. Now you have one timeout left. you still got like 20 yards to go, and you only have 30 seconds. So you're going to play the the against-the-clock game the rest of the way. I thought Jeff Saturday um, had a very, very poor moment there in time management, clock management. And I know that's people probably in his ear that are telling him that. But that is such a critical part of being a head coach on Sundays. And I thought it was costly to the Colts trying to get that game tying touchdown. I think also, I at some point, and I realize we're just talking heads. I get it. And I realize that fans are just fans. But when almost unanimously everybody can see something, does and I... I get it. I mean, down there on the field, I've never been down there when the arrows are flying around and your, your your head's on a swivel. I get it. I'm sure it's chaotic. But you know what? That's why they do what they do for a living, and I do what I do for a living. You know, I, I mean, when everybody else can see it, Kevin, how can it be that overlooked? And Maybe go, it's a refusal to admit what they're seeing. Right. I go back to what 
and I'm going to say this so often this morning, you guys are going to get tired of hearing it, and I apologize, but I don't think fans will, and that is the people of Indianapolis deserve better. They just do. It's not life or death. It's not. It doesn't affect our economy. Well, maybe it does a little bit, but I, you know, this is not life or death stuff. This is this is all stuff that is a luxury. But people pay a lot of money to go down to those games, and they are emotionally invested in the football franchise. And all you ask back is that. And sure, the players might be giving their maximum effort. But the way in which they're built does not appear to be under maximum effort. It appears as though the things that, and this is what I think is disappointing for the fans of this town, that John Q. Public and Sally Q. Public that are sitting on their couch watching the Colts last year heading into the offseason are screaming and jumping up and down. You need to address your offensive line and the people who are responsible to catch the football from the quarterback. And both of those things are inexcusably inept. And it's not so much that it wasn't addressed, but more so that not only was it addressed, but that fans were told they didn't know what they were talking about. Indirectly. Chick, I don't, know, I don't know where this ranks on the issue list, but I've been a bit disappointed by Jonathan Taylor and Michael Pittman as of late. Taylor, another... Taylor was totally responsible for that fumble that critical, that Matt, critical that Matt fumble. Ryan got dinged with. Um, and Michael Pittman just, you know, you just want a little bit more from him. I know he had a touchdown last night. It's a very rare touchdown for him. Um, and I get that he's limited in what the quarterback and the offensive line can provide him from an opportunity standpoint. Um, and I thought the defense took a step back. I mean, to your point earlier, Jake, you let a rookie, I thought Kenny Pickett, the, the, the numbers might not indicate it. I thought Kenny Pickett controlled. He was totally in control. 80, 90% of that game. Totally agree. And in addition to that, Kevin, he, here is the, the defense. Support let's, tackling too. From l- the defense. Let's say this though, that Indianapolis Colts defense earned an, a, a, a bad day. They've earned that. They have played so well, and they have kept the Colts in games. That's probably fair. They yeah. earned the right to have an off day. But when you have an off day against a team in Pittsburgh that is on uh, offensively inept enough in their own right, yeah, twenty four even on an off day, correct. That's a lot of points. But your offense should be able to at least keep you within striking distance, and the Colts' offense is not good enough to do that. It's That is a bad offense. And can we just say, I mean – it's bad are, it's old right it's boring it's like their playlist it's it, just it's, like their playlist it, it's all the above let's go to the game i turned around i was at the game and sitting um sitting to my left was brennan king and sitting to my right and please forgive me because i forget her name she's a very nice girl the, the the newer girl that's been there for like a year at cbs4 woman i mean the newer woman at cbs4 um alexa ross alexa thank you so alexa was sitting to my right and Brennan King's on my left. You got some hip people around you. And at one point I said to them, do you guys want to know how old I am? I'll tell you how old I am. I'm the only of the three of us that was alive when the playlist at the Colts games was actually popular. The The only thing more old than their throwback uniforms, the only thing more stale than their offense, is the Def Leppard Queen Gary Glitter crap that they play for the same thing as if I am once again hoping for my Johnny Cook's Kroger poster at the RCA Dome. (laughs) 
That is inexcusably bad. If your team is going to suck that bad, at least make up for it with something that resembles some sort of current thing. It's cool to do a little bit of old school, don't get me wrong, but not all of it. I went on Pittsburgh Radio yesterday afternoon. They're like, boy, it's going to be loud in there tonight, isn't it? I'm like, unless the black and yellow create noise. Well, they did. (laughs) They did. Mark, can we play the Andrew Nemhard game winner? Sure. Will that cheer you guys up a little yes. bit? Yes. Jake, down 19, eight or nine minutes ago in that game, they slowly, methodically claw their way back. Nemhard hit big shots. Matherin hit big shots. And, like, there are these different stepping stones, I think, for both of these guys, you know, both of these rookies. For Matherin, I mean, when you say what you said about LeBron, you better walk the walk. And 23 last night for him. 23 and 8. Did he outscore LeBron? Did I see that? LeBron had 21 and 7. And Nemhard, his first game back after missing four. And like, I, you know, I watched a lot of Gonzaga last year. He was not asked to do some of the things that the Pacers are asking him to do. But yet there he was late. Zero hesitation. I thought Halliburton handled a very kind of chaotic uh, end of game moment there. Did not panic. Found Andrew Nemhard. With LeBron James in his face, the Pacers down two, and it sounded like this. Halliburton to inbound from the far side. He'll flip it to the top. Turner is wide open, but he missed short with a three. Rebound Halliburton. Three seconds to go. Drives to the wing. Nimhart beat the clock, and it's over! Nimhart beat the clock with a three from out on the left edge as time expires. The call on the floor is good, and the Pacers are mobbing Nemhart. Kevin Pritchard in the mob, by the way. Which is awesome. Uh, how great is the sound of a road team game winner in the air? You can hear the buzzer. And oh, then, yeah. like, you've got to wait. there's kind of this electric buzz in the air, right? And you've got to wait for Mark Boyle to tell you what, what happened. You know, that there's just this kind of stunned silence inside of whatever it's called. I'm still calling it the Staples Center. Uh, and what a shot by Andrew Nemhart. Again, right in the face of LeBron James for the game winner. It was another double-digit comeback. It is a why-we-love-sports close by the Indiana Pacers last night. Uh, add that to the highlight reel here. Now 20 games into the season. They are 12-8. and eight. How about what Tyrese Halliburton is doing right now? What does he have, 40 assists now without a turnover? Jake, the last time he had a turnover, you were at the game. Can you refresh us how many times the Pacers have played since you last were there? That was against Minnesota, right? Is that the game uh, the night before Thanksgiving? Three straight games, an NBA point guard goes without a turnover. 14 assists, zero turnovers last night, and again, just... And I mean, it, the presence of mine with three seconds exactly. to go to find the open how guy, How many times right? do you see guys force it in that situation right. or, or panic? And I thought a big element to this season after last year was, how would you handle these late-game moments? Because, again, Halliburton, this is kind of new for him. It's certainly new for Mather, and obviously Nemhart as well. It was really those three, Buddy Heald and Miles Turner, closing things out. And for them to react like that against LeBron, against Anthony Davis, Russell Westbrook actually played pretty well last night. Um, This is another step in the right direction where I start to think, wow, is this season going to be a playoff year? Like I, I don't think I I'm mean, there quite yet. Ooh, I, but this start, unbelievable. I mean, have you started to spend your money yet? 
They're almost halfway to your goal. I know, I know, I know. I feel like the Christmas budget for my wife has started to increase a little bit. So I mean, yeah. they're almost halfway Max's there, Max's education man. a little bit less. Maddie's Christmas list, in my eyes, um, a little bit higher. So uh, what a moment last night for the Patriots. I encourage everyone to check out the highlight of that. Um, pretty cool to see the reaction. Jeremiah Johnson post game. I didn't realize that was the last game winner. Did you Did you see this? The last time the Pacers had a game winner at the buzzer like that? I've got to think about that. I mean, we could, Is the guy on the roster? We could guess, I think, for an hour. Do you know, Mark? No, but I'm guessing there's no way that person's on the roster. That is accurate. Is the person I, still I'm in the league? I'm pretty sure he's still in the league. I, I don't... Boy... A true buzzer beater. Was it on the road? Let me look up where where it uh, was. I want to say it was against the Hawks. This guy, um, he kind of had an Austin Crozier moment. A Hornets, excuse me. He kind of had an Austin Crozier moment in his Pacers tenure. A.K.A. a nice playoff run and go get the money. Oh, boy. Which I guess Crozier got the money here, didn't he? 2014, if that helps you out. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll give. I mean, I'll go with David West. Went to Arizona, if that helps. Went to Arizona. Ike Diagu was Arizona State, so it wouldn't be Ike. That. Oh, uh, yeah, Solomon Hill. Solomon Hill. Yeah. And you're right, he did. Uh, the the curveball that you threw me there was he did have his Austin Crocher moment with the Pacers, but it was not the Pacers who gave him the money. Yeah, I, I, I should have made that more clear. I mean, you imagine if like we actually would have played that out, how long it would have taken? I mean, I, I would have been guessing until <laughs> until the Colts returned from their bye week here. In well, I've got weeks. one here that says Glenn Robinson the third hit a three-pointer with six-tenths of a second remaining, and the Pacers beat the Hawks in 2017. Yeah, this is a true buzzer. Like, at oh, like the hit the buzzer. Okay, yeah. like legit mm-hmm. hit the buzzer. This okay. is courtesy of ESPN Stats wow. and Info. Pacers' first game-winning buzzer beater since Solomon Hill in 2014 against the Hornets. Pacers back in action Wednesday night with the Kings. That is the loaded slate of basketball. Butler, Purdue, and Indiana all with power five games coming up here on Wednesday night. The Boilermakers move up in the rankings. We'll touch on that. It's a big game on the pitch. In, big. In, in Qatar. It's not a game. It's a match, match. Kevin. Thank on, you. Man. Get yeah. the lingo Lord. down. We're two I, weeks in. I apologize on that front. Uh, a little tense, I believe, in Qatar yesterday in the press conference room for the United States and the Iranian media. Um, so this, the U.S., again, has to win to get through their group. We'll take your calls. Well, they want to talk Colts. And honestly, I mean, call in and talk Pacers. So that, there's a reason why Mark had a great opener. And I said, you know what? We got to talk Pacers after oh, yeah. what they did last night. Kevin Bowen, Jake Query, Mark Dykton, Elijah the intern in studio doing a little filming today for one of his classes at Franklin. Let's go! Thank you, Mark. Great to see Elijah. Uh, a little bit of an overcast start to this Tuesday morning here in Indianapolis. Kevin. The Morning Checkdown brought to you by Ball State Basketball. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. All right, so we'll give you a bit of good news this morning. Aside from the Pacers last night, which we have talked about and and 
variably will continue to do so with different calls of Andrew Nimhard's game winner against the Lakers. How about college basketball? The AP Top 25. Not one, but two teams from the state of Indiana ranked. Indiana and Purdue both in the top 10. That's the first time in nearly 30 years that has taken place. The Hoosiers at 6-0. and Now 10th in the land, one spot behind Kansas, who they will see this year. Purdue now, <clears throat> excuse me, moving up from 24th to 5th. The Boilers at also at 6-0. and Top five, Houston, Texas, Virginia, and Arizona followed by Purdue. You know, I know we touched on it a little bit yesterday, but what they did in Portland, like you talk about March, that's going to move you up multiple seed lines. The fact that you beat Gonzaga on a neutral floor, you beat Duke on a neutral floor, beating West Virginia. I mean, as assuming well. you sustain, right? Right, but I, th- I mean, even if you're a ten seed, yeah. you, you're still going to get bumped up totally because fair. of what you've done in the non-conference. There, North Carolina. Do you see where they fell to, Jake? Uh, North Carolina, by the way, in the coaches poll, is now fifteenth. <laughs> In the AP poll, which is the all-knowing media, North Carolina 18th. Further, Gosh, you talk Indiana about... Indiana 8th in the coaches poll, by the way. In Indiana, North Carolina tomorrow, Purdue against a very bad Florida State team in Tallahassee tomorrow night. Last night out in L.A., if you stayed up for it, you were rewarded. You honestly should probably have the day off for what you got to witness. Andrew Nemhart's... I can leave. We can go. <laughs> Andrew Nemhart's game-winning three completes a 19-point fourth-quarter comeback against the Los Angeles Lakers. Halliburton Matherin, terrific. It was an unbelievable comeback against LeBron, Anthony Davis, and Russell Westbrook. And Andrew Nemhart, his return to the lineup, continued to be impressed by the rookie from Gonzaga. Here was Rick Carlisle afterwards on Nemhard. Kevin and his staff really, really nailed it on him because he'll go down as a top 12 or 15 pick in this draft when it's all said and done. He, that's, that's where he uh, will have, should have been taken. Jake, the thing that stands out to me about Nemhard so far, we're 20 games in his rookie career. He has won a game with a three and he's won a game on defense. Remember what he did to Tyler Hero? The yeah. defense he played in that win over Miami. I mean, we're talking Miami and L.A. I mean, two big-time teams, big-time moments. You know, he's being asked to do things he didn't necessarily do at Gonzaga, and yet he's handling them extremely I, well. He was checking LeBron for a little bit there. He was, in the game. yeah. And I thought he was hanging in there. Buddy healed against LeBron, though. It didn't work out very well. By the way, rest of the NBA last night. Philadelphia, a winner over Atlanta. It was Washington, 142-127. Over Minnesota, Boston a winner, 140-105. Big scores last night over uh, the Hornets. Brooklyn, Toronto, New Orleans, Denver, Chicago, and Phoenix, the other winners. Colts play one good quarter last night. It's not enough. Back to the old Colts. Poor starts, no offense, personnel, clear issues. Good for the tank crowd, although you don't really. Not really. (laughs) Well, it's a loss. I mean, you don't move up necessarily right now, but you will move up when the bye week happens because other teams around you are going to win, obviously, when you are not playing. Time management, an issue in the fourth quarter. Jeff Saturday did not think so, though, after the game. I thought we had plenty of time. I wasn't really concerned. We still had timeouts. I wasn't too concerned. I really wanted to, you know, when he was going down, I couldn't tell where they were going to start him from going down, right? Like if he was going to get the first down and then we got there, um, I expect this to get on the ball and be and have another play um, a little bit quicker than that. But again, it wasn't a, this wasn't a press for time. We just didn't make enough plays. Jake, to me, it's not so much press for time. It's getting rookies, young play caller, everybody else on the same page in a critical, critical snap there. Plus, if you take a timeout on that Matt Ryan scramble, that gives the booth perhaps some time to review that. I thought that spot 
was a tad iffy. I get that you know when Ryan dives, he's giving himself up, but I still think it could have been a little bit closer than it ended up marking that. I thought it was a very poor time management situation. Allow me to ask this, Kevin. Do you feel like Pittsburgh's defense was disjumbled or disoriented at all? Because if you did, then I can understand continuing to go for it. Continue to go, you know what I mean? I think what you do in that situation, though, Jake, is you are saying it's all going to come down to these one-on-one matchups. And Jelani Woods, the rookie tight end, going up against Alex Highsmith, one of the best edge rushers in the NFL, is not a matchup that the Colts want to want to have happen. Right, fair. And he blew up the play, set up a fourth down, and the rest is history. Again, the U.S. Men's National Team, 2 o'clock today. Iran, they win and they advance to the knockout stage. We'll take your calls, 317-239-1070. Colts, Pacers, wherever you want to go with it. We'll do that next here. Kevin and Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. 17 minutes before the hour. Get to your phone calls on last night's game. Time has kind of been the topic of discussion, as in last night. There was no time on the clock when the Pacers beat the Lakers courtesy of Andrew Nimhard's three. There were... Plenty of timeouts left for Jeff Saturday and the Colts as they tried to put together something to force overtime against the Pittsburgh Steelers. And time felt like it was moving backwards for Colts fans as they once again listened to Ozzy Osbourne and Queen blaring overhead to the terrible towels, waving to visiting fans coming to watch the Colts' inept performance getting beat or beaten at home. And... Felt like the highlight of the game was going to once again feel like the air blowing you out of the RCA Dome. It was 1988 all over again. Hell yes, let's go. Phone lines are open, 317-239-1070. Let's begin with Paul. Paul, good Tuesday morning to you. Kevin and Jake, how you guys doing? Doing well, man. How are you? Um, I'm all right. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm I'm actually done with the Colts this year. As much as I love the Colts, I have to be done with them. Um, and for the life of me, I cannot understand why every run play we use is always up the middle. Jeff Saturday was part of that offensive lineman where we ran that stretch play with Ed and Joseph Adai so meticulously in the play action off of that stretcher run was was wide open every time. I don't understand why every time the Colts run the ball with Jonathan Taylor, it's right up the middle every freaking time. This, 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 this is ridiculous, and there's no reason for it. You watch these other teams, they get outside on the edge, and their running backs can create. We don't do that with Jonathan Taylor, and I don't understand why. And Gus Bradley, one, one last thing. Gus Bradley... Everybody could see Kenny Pickett was in a zone, and we still sat back there and let him dissect our defense just like Trevor Lawrence did. I, this, this season is a wash. Play Sam Ellinger, and let's get a better quarterback, and we need to see if Sam Ellinger can be a viable backup 
for whomever we get in here as quarterback. I'm done with this season. I'm done with the team this year. I love my coach, but I'm washing my hands with them this year. Fellas, have a great day. Sickness in the Bowen household, so I appreciate you washing your hands, Paul, <laughs> this time of year. Um, Jake, I couldn't agree more with that last part. No, I do not need to see Matt Ryan whatsoever under center again this season. Um, Jeff Saturday stuck by him after the game last night. Uh, but no, uh, Matt Ryan Matt Ryan is old. He Kevin, looks very old playing quarterback. There is zero need to see him under center anymore. The the issue, the, I said this yesterday, the issue the Colts have is that you have people, imagine the Colts complex, how many floors is the Colts complex on West 56th? Just one? Yeah, I was going to say, unless there's some secret tunnels, I, I don't know. Okay. I think uh, it's just one. For the sake of, of the discussion here, imagine that it's two floors and the executive offices are on floor number two. When you have those that would be in the executive boardroom going up to floor number two and the elevator door opens and everybody's on the elevator, you have three people going in three different directions. It's like Pagano and Grigson again. Attached at the hip. If you are... Chris Ballard, you're probably saying, let's see what we got in Sam Ellinger. Or let's, well, I, I shouldn't say that because Ballard probably is like, hey, I want Matt Ryan to work out because I was, you know, he was a guy that was going to allow me to save face, I guess. If you're Ursay, you clearly want Ellinger. If you're Saturday, you want Ryan because you want to win games to make yourself look, your record look okay. Jeff Saturday wants to win right now, understandably and rightly and respectfully so. Chris Ballard, who knows what the hell Chris Ballard wants? Jim Ursay wants probably to build towards the future at some point and see what they have. But it feels like there would be three different possibly or at least two different initiatives. That's a bad place to be. I can't believe I'm saying this, Jake. It crossed my mind last night. I'd rather see Carson Wentz under center right now than Matt Ryan. Yeah, at least he's mobile. Maybe I'm being too reactionary to what I saw last night, but there is zero threat of semi explosive offense I mean <laughs> I cannot reiterate enough how much Troy Aikman is just ripping ripping the Colts passing offense and Matt Ryan in particular um, and again you got some money contractual guarantees for next season with Matt Ryan if he gets hurt in these final five games and I thought the D-line for Pittsburgh would have its way with Indio line I thought Braden Smith actually did a really nice job on TJ Watt um, you know Highsmith made a big play there a couple of big plays in the final drive but you imagine if Dallas gets a lead on Sunday and that Dallas front against the Colts? You think my NBC is looking at that game last night like maybe we should have flexed out? Is Dallas just like the white whale? That no matter who they play? Yeah. I mean, probably because of that's being tested on Sunday night. Nine and a half points. The early line. That seems low, I would say. For that one. Um, let's go to David, Mark. David, good morning. Good morning, guys. I have a question for you guys. Jim Irsay likes to make a big splash, right? So, who's our coach next year in the GM? I believe he's going to make a big splash in the offseason. I'll hang up and listen. Thanks. Uh, we talked about that yesterday with Bob Kravitz. Jim Harbaugh would be a big splash hire. Whether or not he is interested in coming here, I don't know. I looked it up. Harbaugh's making $7 million at Michigan. Frank Reich was making $8 million. Um does God, Jeff Wright Saturday that much? Yeah. Does Jeff Saturday, at least from one article I read, uh, does Saturday have enough cachet to move into the front office? I, I mean, I, 
Is Chris Ballard here? I just don't know if Saturday wants to do that. He strikes me as like, I want to be on the grass. I want to coach. I want to, you know, going into the scouting world and, you know, kind of being in a bunker for a large chunk of the day and not really interacting with players in a coaching manner. That's a lot different than I think what Jeff Saturday desires about the current gig that he has. I mean, to David's point, I think in Ursay's eyes, Jeff Saturday is a splash. And we'll see how the final five games play out last night. Unlike the first two games, I thought last night was a really sore eye on Jeff Saturday. Um, particularly in how this team, again, got out of the gate Monday night primetime against a 3-7 and seven opponent. Um, and then the time management. I, you know, that is so much what goes into game day coaching and was it the end all be all no but the Colts had an opportunity late and their coaching staff uh, handcuffed them and what they did there uh, where should we go next Mark uh, let's go with Bo Bo hey good morning guys morning Jake morning KB morning Bo um, Jake I, I tell you what I mean it could always get a little bit better we could bring back the old Mike Pagel and listen to Taking Care of Business by Bachman Turner Overdrive listen man I, I think those were on the playlist last night I do right I mean I, it, I, I, I know that I heard I mean pour some sugar on me is at least at least that song came out since the Mayflower trucks right so like you gotta you gotta go with an upgrade there so that's cool they, they you know they freshen things up but I think Crazy Train, did I hear Crazy Train last night? I mean, I think it's still there, right? Probably. I'm just saying that the point is that we get in the car. I take my family the first time to a game this year, by the way. Thank you, CYO football and basketball not having a game on Sunday. But either way, Blue throws the third pass down into the bucket, and I'm ready to hear taking care of business. Because it's the only taking care of business that went on last night. <laughs> yeah, honestly, Bo, I think the quarterback depth chart for next week should have blue on it. And maybe just, should we go Wildcat with the Pittsburgh State Gorilla, Dallas Flowers? Hell How about yeah. Isaiah Rogers and him, just Wildcat for the whole game? Hey, Bo, just so you know, because I don't want you to miss out. I don't know if you heard this or not, but Dwayne Bickett's going to be signing posters at Service Merchandise on, on Thursday. Be sure to get yeah. down there. Count me there. I'm going to go to the airway, too, back in the old 70s and see if someone's there. <laughs> Leo Wisniewski will be there with Ron Stark. That is correct. <laughs> <laughs> is, there, is there a chance that we can get a ticket exchange for a season ticket holders that, that I know they do in this buyback program next year? Can we do the old, like, somehow get with the Pacers and say, trade one Colts game in for two Pacer <laughs> yeah, games right. or something like that? Can you that possibly would, imagine, Bo? we'll throw the Bally subscription on top of it. Can you imagine, Kevin... To Bo's point, albeit somewhat flippant, did anybody think, anybody, can you imagine what you could have, you could have paid both your kids college education on the wager you could have gotten that in turning the the calendar to December of this year, that people would be calling in because they want to talk Pacers future as opposed to Colts present. Yeah. I mean, we haven't had a Victor Webanyama call in several weeks and we have what is it sacrifice for bryce is that the hashtag it's not bad that's good you know which you got to sacrifice a lot here in these final five Kevin, weeks to get up into the top whether 10. people want to admit it or not and i know that they play nicely in the sandbox but there is an undercurrent subliminal rivalry between the Colts and the Pacers in this town in terms of keeping an eye on the fan oh, base because they know question. that they are sharing the same fan base and and, and reach out for dollars. And yeah, I would say business from a sponsor standpoint Correct. too. And the Colts right now, I mean, 
we are seeing perhaps, you know, it's like the Drake Passage. You got two different oceans and they come in and two different currents and they swirl around and you find out which one wins. And right now, albeit probably not permanent, we'll see, but right now, those currents are, are moving towards the Pacers. And again, from an image standpoint, Jake, I mean, the Pacers are very public and transparent about their um, expectations entering the season, whereas we have Jim Irsay up there talking about rare air and upper quartiles a few weeks back. The only quartile the Colts are in right now is the lower quartile. That's where you're at right now with this team, and you are now staring That's rare air. six years out of eight and missing the playoffs, and you play in the feeble AFC South. I mean, in terms of quartiles, Mark. That's reality. Know, right? yeah. You know how many shots Michael Jordan's missed? You know how many games Michael Jordan's lost? In the a- upper quartile of winners, we're in the top quartile of that upper quartile. That's rare air. You should have used Andrew Nemhard's <laughs> name instead of Michael Jordan's name after last night, right? That's true. I don't know how to make sausage. I don't know what goes into sausage. The guy's a winner. <laughs> Somebody keep going here. Four, seven, and one. This one for Mr. Gilmore. Uh, Eight o'clock hour coming up. Mark going now. Glad to know you're awake, Mark. Thanks. I'm here. Thanks for coming in this morning. Continue to take your calls. Give our thoughts not only on the Colts but Pacers from last night. Kevin Aquari on a overcast Tuesday. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Ryan feeling the heat, checks it down left side. This time it's intercepted inside the 40-yard line, picked off by Pittsburgh. First and goal under center picket. Man in motion is Sims. They give off, off right side to Harris. He is hit at the two-yard line, extends touchdown. the ball. And a touchdown is six yards out. Najee Harris and the Steelers have scored the first touchdown of the game. The third time today they have found points, and they lead the Colts by two scores. First and goal from the two. Pittsburgh 16, Colts 3. Taylor the back to the left side. Ball to your hash. They give it to Taylor. Straights off a block, and he's in there. Touchdown! So first and goal, Colts at the one, under center. Matt Ryan. Jonathan Taylor is the back. They give it to Taylor, and he lost the ball, and Matt Ryan recovered it back to the seven-yard line. The Steelers, though, think they have it. Oh, this would be disastrous. Ball between the hash marks. Ryan out of the gun. Taylor stays in as his back to the right side. Looking left, Ryan. Lost into the fade pattern. Into the end zone. It's a catch. Michael Pittman Jr. Touchdown. I-N-D-Y. Bolts down by a touchdown. Matt Ryan with the ball in the near hash. Backs to throw. Deep drop. Good protection. Now he's going to take off and run. There he goes. 35. He's at the 30. Dives across the 25-yard line. And they're going to say he gave himself up at the 25 for a gain of 15 to bring up a very manageable third and two. I thought we had plenty of time. I wasn't really concerned. I'm glad he doesn't have any NFL experience. I'm glad he hasn't learned the fear that's in this league. Matt's going to continue to be the guy. We're going to, like I said, we're going to keep keep moving forward, keep pressing forward with what we got. Simply, it's just back to the old 2022 Colts. Awful start, archaic offense, personnel issues galore. Honestly, he had some coaching issues creep into it late. <laughs> but I got to start with the Pacers. Beautiful intro from Mark Dykton there, Colts related. But Jake, that finish last night, down 19 with 10 minutes to go in the game. LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and even Russell Westbrook, all of them, were playing like their old selves. 
And yet, here's a couple of rookies on the floor in Benedict Matherin and Andrew Nemhard and Tyrese Halliburton quarterbacking it all. Some high praise from LeBron James after that one. Um, what a night for the Pacers and coming back and beating the Lakers on the Andrew Nemhard game winning, literally shot buzzer make. 116 do we have do we prefer the not prefer that's the wrong way of saying it we've we've heard mark boyle a few times do we have chris denary's call mark um because as kevin had mentioned it's been since solomon hill that the pacers have had a shot where the buzzer went off while the shot was in the air to walk off the game here is chris denary bally sports indiana with uh, a lot of quinn buckner on the call last night Miles Turner, three. Gamer, Gamer. Oh, Miles. Long rebound. Halliburton. Oh, no, he held on it too long. Nemhard away. Got it, baby. Got it. The rookie out of Gonzaga hits the three at the buzzer to win the game. Baby. Way to drop it. Oh, how cool is that? Andrew Nemhard, his fourth three. As the clock expires to win in L.A. Mark, so you, you might tweet out that highlight of the play because I, I think, Jake, what stands out to me is just it was kind of a chaotic sequence after Turner misses the initial three. Like Halliburton, or I think it was Matherin that got his hands on it first. It kind of tips out to Halliburton. And then he's dribbling around, unsure of what to do. He looks over at Buddy Heald, doesn't force it to Heald, and then he finds Nemhard who hits that right in LeBron's face. And the scene afterwards post-game, just the pure jubilation from the Pacers. Kevin Pritchard looked like Mark Cuban. He did. Running out on the floor to he celebrate. Did. He looked like Shooter. With his budget. He looked like Shooter when uh, when they ran the picket fence, right? He did. Uh, yeah, hopefully not, you know, no no sales after the third quarter, hopefully over at the uh, <laughs> Staples right. Center. But uh, what a moment. And, like, we have these times, Jake, and I don't know, maybe what happened with the Colts makes this more in the limelight. Last night was a why we love sports game for the Pacers. And if you're the Colts, you don't like it at all because you went out and for those that, you know, a lot of people might have forgotten the Colts were were playing, to be honest with you, on their, but as soon as they got home, basically, is when that game was ending. Or maybe people flipped over and the Pacers were down 19 at that point. And they're like, eh, okay. But there is, I'm telling you, like each franchise kind of looks at the other one like, what's the fan interest in town here because we want to be the alpha dog and like I said, maybe that's shifting now to the Pacers because this is the difference between the Pacers and the Colts is the Pacers have an upside. The yeah, Pacers they have, have hope, real correct. Hope. They have real hope. They're young. They are way ahead of schedule. I'm telling you right now, as sure as the fact that my name is Jake Query, I'm telling you, at the beginning of the season, the Pacers brass basically sent notice to all of us like listen we we don't know that we're going to win many games this year but it's because we're building towards the future and they're basically ahead of schedule I don't think they anticipated they knew that Tyrese Halliburton was going to be a really good player and they knew that he would make others better I don't think they realized that Benedict Matherin and Andrew Nimhard and Jalen Smith and Isaiah Jackson would play this way I think they had hope but didn't know the reality of how Miles Turner would respond by playing with Tyrese Halliburton. And kudos to the Pacers because they have hope, they have direction, and they have promise. The Colts, on the other hand, are a huge vat of uncertain suck. And last night was 
a disaster. You have a team coming in here in Pittsburgh that overtakes the stadium. Yeah, sure, it might have been 30%, 40% fans, but they were louder than anybody in Indianapolis. Their season's been done forever. They come in here with their terrible towels. The, the, you know why the Steeler fans love coming here? Steeler fans love coming to Indianapolis. Love, 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 love it. Because in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, if you're a Steelers fan, I know. I grew up a childhood Steelers fan. The Steelers love talking about the 70s. They love living in the 70s. And what better way to do it than to come to a place where BTO and taking care of business and old-time rock and roll are considered new wave hits. That place is so stale and so flat during the course of the game because the team goes out and absolutely underperforms. People deserve better than that. We were told the offensive line was fixed. It was a disaster. We were told that we were overhyping the fact they needed wide receivers. They couldn't get any to make any plays last night. Michael Pittman, by his own admission, was absolutely disastrous in the first half. His words, not mine. Alec Pierce missed a wide-open opportunity to try to help Matt Ryan late in the game. Matt Ryan has a noodle arm. They have made a coaching change that all of a sudden now has gone right back to square one and I'm sorry the Colts can sit here and push out their chest and Chris Ballard can talk about his college degree all they want every single thing they told us was going to be taken care of is flat out flat it didn't work it hasn't worked and people have better things to do than to drive down and spend three hours on a Monday night during the holiday season watching a product that is flat out stale and the Pacers thank goodness gave people a reason to then go home and have something to celebrate about yeah, I thought it was extremely well said, Colts front. Well, one thing going back on the Pacers, Jake, what last night can do for Matherin, Halliburton, Nemhard, all of those guys closing out the game against LeBron, against Anthony Davis, against Russell Westbrook? I mean, these are like the signs that I didn't know if we would see. Obviously, didn't really think we would see necessarily this stuff this season. Closing out games against elite Hall of Fame caliber players, and that's what those guys did last night. Obviously, spearheading a huge comeback. Um, Halliburton, of course, you got to throw him into that mix as well. Um, it, it's pretty special what the Pacers have done here through the first 20 games. And again, their resiliency in bouncing back for such a poor performance on Sunday afternoon. And in particular, you know, a guy like Matherin really struggled against the Clippers, and yet he continues to do this, where he steps up and doesn't allow one game to snowball into the next Um it's fun, fun to watch. I, I get the Bally thing still restricts some people, uh, but I cannot encourage people enough to, if they can, try and watch the Pacers and or go to a game this season because um, they are giving this city hope and real optimism. And right now the Colts are having, I would argue, Jake, I would say the most disappointing season in at least two decades. For the Colts? considering preseason expectations, which must be factored in. This is not 2011, where if you would have said Curtis Painter starts X amount of games, we knew what would happen. Or 2017, if Jacoby's going to start X amount of games, um, and all of a sudden Andrew Luck is not going to play, we knew what would unfold. This is the most disappointing Colts season in years. Kevin, the, the thing that is so frustrating is this. The thing that is so frustrating is that All of those things that you're talking about in terms of the expectations, I didn't set those expectations. You didn't set those expectations. Mark didn't set those expectations. The franchise did. They told us. All chips in. They told us multiple Lombardis. They told us 
upper quartile of upper quartile of upper quartile rare air. They said all those things. I didn't say that. I didn't say that this offensive line was fixed. They said that. I didn't say that whiteout was not a concern. They told me that. So that's what's disappointing about it. There are a few things more insulting to hardworking Indianapolis residents that pay good money to go down and watch a football team. All they ask, all people want out of the football team here in the football franchise, all they want is to know that they're getting a franchise that is doing one of two things to them, either doing their best to put forth a team that is competitive, and I do think that they're trying to do that. I don't think they're trying to lose games. But to just be honest and be respectful and don't play us for a fool. But don't, again, Jake, don't they, spit on me and tell me it's raining. But Jake, they didn't think they would be doing this. Like the Pacers thought they would be having a bad, and that's what I think adds to what I was just saying about it's the most disappointing season in multiple decades. The Colts never envisioned that we would be here on November 29th, and more people would rather talk about the 2023 quarterback class than the Colts' playoff hopes in the month of December. Yeah. It's so foreign for this franchise, particularly over the last two decades. Thankfully, we got basketball in this state. Uh, Should we go to training camp, Jimmy, Mark? Do you want to roll that dice? Training camp, Jimmy, it's been a while. Good morning. Good morning, Kevin and Jake. Training camp, Jimmy, is back in the building. I called in before last year, and what did I say? I said Trace Jackson Davis is the next Bill Russell. Well, guess what, boys? He's back, and we got Kimball Walker at point guard. We also got Russell Westbrook, Jalen Hutchifino with a jump shot at our two guard. Now, now wait a minute, Jimmy. Have you watched Russell Westbrook's jump shot in the last, like, five years? Hey, Hutchifino is Russell Westbrook with a jump shot. Okay. He's that good. Okay. But I do have to give a shout-out to Matt Painter. Gobble, 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 Matt. Congrats on another national championship in November. Keep bringing these seven-footers in because we all know how it ended up for Haas. But to North Carolina, Wednesday night, I will be in Assembly Hall with lithium batteries in my pockets because it's going to be... Did you cut him off there, Mark? Kevin said fade him down. All right. Kevin, you went for it. I should have let that play. You asked for him to be Listen, on. I feel like tomorrow night has lost a little bit of its luster down in Bloomington with how Carolina's mm-hmm. looked. I, I, am I wrong on that? Indiana basketball fans need to understand something. I get the whole banner, banner, banner talk. I get it. I grew up spouting it from the mountaintops. But when I was at Indiana University... In 1993, okay, in 1993, think about this. When I was at Indiana University, Cowper Cheney's year, Indiana University, 1993, they had a title that Bobby Slick Leonard had won in 1953 with Don Schlunt over Kansas and B.H. Bourne in Kansas City. It was 40 years before that. It was nothing but a legendary mythical tale to me as a student. That is essentially, that is four years difference between Keith Smart's shot and current students at Indiana University. Keith Smart is to Trace Jackson Davis what Slick Leonard and Don Schlunt were to me. My point being, 
I get the fact that you want to talk banners, banners, banners. It's listen, they are as it's been 30 coming up here on 36 years. I, I mean, there's a little bit of what have you done for me lately? And I'm sorry, Purdue has a team put together that is the one that forever Indiana fans were so proud of about Indiana. They And I'm not saying Indiana doesn't do this, but Purdue has a team put together that is built together because they are a sum better than the parts. They are predominantly Indiana and Midwestern kids that have bought in, that all play together, that enjoy playing with one another, and they weren't necessarily highly touted players, but they are guys that have come in and bought in and done it for the name on the front of the jersey. And that's exactly what Indiana fans touted themselves, bragged about, aside from the banners, for 35 years. And they should simply tip their cap to Purdue and say, you know what, you're doing it the right way, and we look forward to playing you again because it's a fun rivalry. I don't think that's how fandom works for a lot of people. Clearly not for training camp Jimmy. Um, I think if you look at these four games for IU, at Xavier, Carolina tomorrow night, Arizona and Vegas at Kansas, this is easily the, the, the easiest of them all. I think... You know, we almost forget about Carolina last year, Jake. They got hot for three weeks. Remember, they were on like the bubble in late February. And they brought back, obviously, a huge chunk of their starting lineup. But, you know, were we too quick to, I think, maybe crown North Carolina in the offseason? Obviously, they're preseason ranked number one. Losing to Alabama and Iowa State certainly would indicate that. And then I'm curious to see just what they look like health-wise tomorrow. I mean, they had, I think it was four guys play over 45 minutes out in Portland. Uh, Armando Baycott, their All-American big guy, hurt. So what they look like tomorrow night um, will be interesting. And Purdue is at Florida State. Indiana hosts North Carolina. Then Big Ten play starts this weekend. You get a couple Big Ten games in there um, in the month of December. Uh, who should we go with Mark next? Well, do you want more Pacers talk or do you want to go Colts again? Uh, let's go Pacers. All right, let's go with Pacers Steve then. Pacers Steve, good morning. Good morning. Hey, how about those Pacers? How about that last night? Uh, I, I tell you what, I'm excited about this team. Of course, you know I'm a season ticket holder, so I get down there for the games. But, uh, man, you just wake up every day looking forward to whatever it is they're going to do. I, I want to get down in the, in the, in the ground, though, on, on some, some, some of their play. Uh, Buddy Hield is shooting 27% in his last seven games from three-point range, 19 for 68. And he's uh, starting to concern me. And this team, going back several years, last year was bad. The year before it was bad. This year is bad. You know, you turn on the game and you and you listen to the commentators talk about, oh, you know, it's another slow start for the Pacers. And, uh, of course, Carlisle knows what he's doing. But I'm just wondering, you know, how good we could be if at the five-minute mark of every first quarter, the score wasn't 17 to 6. And uh, our offensive rebounding is middling. And I, uh, Steve, the, Steve are, the Pacers are 12 and 8, 20 games into the season, and all I hear is Buddy Heald can't shoot, the Pacers can't get no, off the no, good no, starts, and they're, is, and they're I, not I, rebounding it. Can we celebrate? You're, you're going to. You're going to see a change here, though, in the starting lineup. I think Carlisle's got to do something to get us away from those slow starts. My point is we'd be even better than we are 
if if it wasn't uh, uh, put on the on the on the bench to have to claw us back into games day after day after day. How about we flip this, and how about we start out hot, and how about if it only, you know instead of being twelve and eight or uh, fifteen and, and three or something? Uh, do you guys ever tire of, of finishing the first quarter down a dozen points and have? Steve, sure, you I ever mean, heard you ever heard the fable of the lady who's on the beach, and her little kid is sitting there playing with a sandcastle, and a huge wave comes and takes the kid and sweeps the little infant away off into the ocean, and the lady gets on her hands and knees and prays to the Lord and says, "I will do whatever is possible in the rest of my life if you just bring my child back." And the wave comes, and the child washes right back up ashore, and the woman looks at it. And she's momentarily relieved and then looks up and says, she had a hat. Isn't that kind of what just happened with you last night and watching the Pacers-Lakers game? I mean, they, they've got like, they're they're probably the youngest team in the league. They're ahead of schedule. They're still figuring out who they're going to run with and who they're not. Buddy Heald is probably not a long-term guy for them. Um, I get it. Sure. So Waters found its level with Buddy Heald a little bit over the last seven games. Right. Still is a threat. Really, unlike been a really good teammate, the Pacers have had in quite some time. He's durable. That's been an issue with injuries at guard and the wings right now. Not one of our best segment in the caller front with training camp Jimmy and <laughs> Pacer Steve. I, I feel I, like we're I we're, do we're, love Steve. We are nitpicking there to like the nth degree. Like, let's just appreciate twelve and eight at this point. And again, with how the cold season has unfolded, uh, the Pacers get off to slow start. Sure. Am I curious what happens with Matherin in the starting lineup moving forward? Of course, but. Right now, with everything that's transpired for them, the expectations entering this season, it's been a pretty fun first month and a half with the Indiana Pacers. It has. I mean, look, like I said, ahead of schedule. You know what's going to be interesting? Whoever would have guessed this, Pacers at Sacramento is going to be an interesting game. Get some storylines tomorrow night. Tomorrow night is going to be difficult on the remote front. Um, I think Purdue is the early one. Purdue's in the 7 o'clock slot, but you've got... IU North Carolina at 9-15. I feel like those ACC Big Ten Challenge games never start on time. And then you've got the Pacers and Kings. Uh, what Our coverage is at 9-30. Am I reading that right, Elijah? Yeah, 9-30. That's, That's Elijah, the over-enthusiastic intern who's dropped back in, by the way. He yes, now he, he, he's a co-worker of ours. Sorry, Elijah, the over-enthusiastic co-worker. Who lives in a haunted apartment, apparently. That's right, yeah, he lives. He does. He, Jake's going go to do some ghost hunting, <laughs> I think. Um, this text, by the way, I got a good one. Jake, the best business model you can have is to under-promise and over-deliver. The Pacers are doing just that. The Colts, the opposite. You know, and again, I appreciate, like, candor. I appreciate honesty. And I think that is the sad part about this Colts season, is they honestly thought they would end this divisional drought, be in the playoffs, have Matt Ryan, support Matt Ryan, Matt Ryan would support him, all of those things. And you haven't sniffed it. So I don't think it's as much as the Colts were lying, it's that the Colts thought they were good and they were wrong. That's what I think is even more frustrating. It's this, not that they were lying. This from Jeremiah. Jake, to your point, me and three other friends were at the game last night. We all made plans to attend more Pacer games this year and not go to another Colts game. We will be at the next Pacer home game. Yeah, I got this one here. KB, I was offered a free ticket. I turned it down because I'm not wasting my time on this trash, and I named my son after the Colts. Named him Colt or named him Indianapolis? What do you I do? believe Colton. Colton. I mean, that's the reality we're living in here in 
late November. A couple you know, of individuals. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I, I was just gonna. I was gonna go a little positive route here with the Colts. A couple of individuals I thought deserved mention from last night, but feel free if you had something else on. Well, I was simply gonna say a lot of people don't realize that the Colts or the Pacers are actually named after Colts, because a lot of people think Pacers is because of the fact of the Indianapolis 500, but the Indiana Pacers name actually comes from uh, the Pacer, which is a sit down like horse racing. You know, the horse racer where the guy sits down and rides it? Those are actually called pacers. And Indiana's horse racing heritage combined with auto racing is why they named the team the Pacers. Just thought I'd throw that in. I educate and entertain, right, Mark? <laughs> I'm just glad he hasn't talked about the Ngakwe sacks yet. Uh, I Trust me, you think I didn't get plenty of you need Ngakwe last night? I know I did. I'll go uh, Jelani Woods bouncing back from the early drop. I thought Braden Smith did a very nice job on T.J. Watt. And then the two kick returners. I, I, I Did Isaiah Rodgers get hurt? I, I don't know if we got clarity on that because I saw a whole lot of Brandon Face on. And then Dallas Flowers took over for Isaiah Rodgers at kick returner. I mean, without Flowers making that play in the third quarter, I mean, the Colts might get run out of the building. Yeah. The Colts had 225 kick return yards last night. That is the most by any yeah. NFL team this season. It's the most for the Colts since 2004. You had two separate players with over 100 kick return yards. No NFL team has done that since 2010. Which possession was it? Was it the kick return possession that ended in a field goal, or was it when they got the ball? Somehow they got the ball... Well, they had a first and goal from the one, right, and didn't and didn't convert. Well, well Taylor fumbled. Turned it over. Are, are you I mean, talking about they, that that's one? What I mean, yeah. But then they, didn't they have another play where they got inside the red zone and had to settle for a field goal? Yeah. Uh, early, it wasn't the like, kick return, though, was it? The second quarter when they got on the board first. Yeah, I guess you're right. I, I was thinking that they didn't that they were not able to convert when they got the kick return. Uh, and by the way, there's supposedly no cheering in the press box. That was not applicable last night on the kick return. Um, but when they got on the board in the second half, it kind of felt like things were shifting where you're like, there's no way that they can't put away Pittsburgh now. It's Pittsburgh. It's three-win Pittsburgh. It's a rookie quarterback with little hands that has three touchdowns and eight interceptions on the year. And, without and their his, best running back is out. I was going to say, without his running back, too. George Pickens made some pretty darn impressive catches. I know that he had some red flags in college, but he's a pretty darn good player. Yeah, a lot of red flags. That's why the Colts did not sniff him for what it's worth. Um, all right, we'll continue to take your phone calls. I don't know, though. After what we just witnessed in the last segment, we might need to rethink that on the break. Uh, morning check down right now here on The Fam. The Morning Checkdown, brought to you by Ball State Basketball. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. This is great from Josh. I feel like the Colts are like the McDonald's drive through <laughs> They're giving me completely different than what I ordered. <laughs> Does their ice cream machine work, though? That's all I want to know. That, the no. ice cream machine's broken again? <laughs> it's been three years. No, it does not work. Uh, the joy of ice cream, certainly for Boiler fans right now. Purdue jumps up to number five in the AP poll. Did you say it was at 98, Jake, the last time you've had Indiana and Purdue both in the top 10? Uh, 93, I believe. It's very rare to see these two teams ranked when they face each other. Obviously, we got a long way to go for that, but we've got two Saturday games with Purdue and Indiana coming up in the new year. Um, it'll be fun, certainly, to if they continue to be ranked at that level. Um, again, Indiana's got North Carolina tomorrow night. They dropped big time in the polls. 
Um, Arizona is four. Kansas is nine. If you're looking ahead to future December opponents, Purdue has got Florida State. They just got smoked by Nebraska. Florida State, I feel like Florida State plays Purdue every year in the Big Ten ACC Challenge. This is the last year for the Big Ten ACC Challenge, so it'll be the last time it happens, right? But yes, you are correct. I mean, look, number eight in the coaches poll for Purdue, number 10 in the A, or, or, uh I'm sorry, for Indiana, number 10 in the coaches poll, number five in both for Purdue, and I, I don't know why Kevin Purdue's not number one. I, honestly, I Houston, well, it's all preseason polls. I, I, it's ridiculous. Houston, Texas, Virginia, Arizona, great. They're all six or five and zero, oh, but nobody has the resume at this point to produce. Yeah, and I will reiterate what I said in the opening hour of what that does for your resume in March is going to be huge for Purdue wherever they fall on that team. Uh, sticking in basketball, by the way, last night in the association, the Pacers 116-115 over the L.A. Lakers. Yes, we played a lot, but it bears playing again. Here's how it sounded as Indiana wins at the buzzer against the Lake Show. Halliburton to inbound from the far side. He'll flip it to the top. Turner is wide open, but he missed short with a three. Rebound Halliburton. Three seconds to go. Drives to the wing. Nimhart beat the clock. And it's over! Nimhart beat the clock with a three from out on the left edge as time expires. The call on the floor is good, and the Pacers are mobbing Nimhart. What a night. Coming back from 19 with 10 minutes to go in the game. Again, LeBron, Anthony Davis, Russell Westbrook actually all playing very well. And yet it was a group pretty much of Halliburton, Matherin, um, Nemhard, Heald, and Turner that spearheaded that comeback. Nemhard hit some huge shots for the Pacers late. Halliburton continues to just quarterback things beautifully. Third straight game with at least 10 assists and zero turnovers. That is unheard of. In the NBA, uh, been a strong, been a strong stretch. That's rare. Zero air. question. That is rare. Air, Thank you. As a matter of fact, Jim Mercer, I appreciate that. Yes. Uh, Colts last night. Uh, I thought it was their worst half of the season, probably since week two. Um, to probably put it a little bit more accurately, that first half last night, things changed a little bit in the third quarter. Jeff Saturday on that. Yeah, I mean, listen, I, when we walked in, I just said, hey, this, you're going to learn a lot about who you are right now, right? And uh, Z got up and, and uh, you know, gave the breakdown and just challenged everybody. And those guys, you know, they stepped up and made the, you know, met the challenge. It was uh, obviously it wasn't nearly good enough the first half. And uh, I think everybody felt it way, you know, just, just not nearly enough plays and really self-inflicted wounds, uh, which has kind of been the story of the last two weeks against opponents that, you know, you feel like you have an opportunity and don't make enough to, to close it out. It'd be Zaire Franklin, by the way. Uh, that's who he's referencing there, is Z, who spoke up at halftime. If they found out who they are in the second half, that's not exactly encouraging, right? Yeah, one good quarter of football last night. That's why you're four, seven, and one. Kevin, here. every area of this football team that everyone outside of 56th Street had concerns about and were told we didn't that that's why we were not working inside 56th street has come out to rear its ugly head y'all have been kicking the out of me for years uh, yeah somebody last night said will the media finally start holding chris ballard accountable what Jeez. the guy sat there like a scolded petulant child and lashed out at the media about how unfair we've been in the last time that he made a public appearance that should tell you right there that I'm not saying that, but I mean, I, I think we have fairly been critical of him, right? Uh, yeah, I said this last week, and I said it when Frank Wright got fired, Jake, if anyone thinks personnel is not an issue, then they are 
wearing a blindfold and watching the Colts this season. Personnel is a clear issue, and performances like last night continue to indicate that. The and guy's a winner. If you continue to have that, um, I see no reason why you wouldn't do to Chris Bowder what you did to Frank Reich. Well, I mean, what's the... Jim Irsay believes in him. What's the upside? Now, I'm not saying with Ballard. I'm saying for the for the Colts organization in the in this roster, what is the upside? Good young quarterback to build around. Negative. Dynamic playmakers to offset an offensive line that's a sieve. Negative. Yeah, I mean, you have some pieces defensively that you like. Um, it's not a total blow up, but at key key spots. There's so many questions. The defense had an off day yesterday, which they're entitled to because they've played really well. They've kept them in games, and the bottom line is their offense, their defense. Ha- what we learned last night is that the Colts' defense has to be absolutely spectacular in order for them to win games because their offense sucks. Their quarterback is ancient. Their left tackle is brand new. Their guard play has been inconsistent. And their running back, for whatever reason, has developed fumbleitis. Nate Atkins from the Apple Star going to join us at the top of the hour. Kevin and Query here on what's supposed to be, I think, a nice temperature day in Indy. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Jake, I think um, what kind of adds the frustration of last night is I don't think anyone was shocked to see the Colts offense again look so just old and boring and unable to do anything down the field. Based off the Colts side of things, I think what offered some potential for hope entering the game is Pittsburgh was the 31st ranked pass defense. 31st ranked. Got a couple corners banged up uh, even during that game, and yet you could not get anything going it's not like Taylor was I mean totally stymied he was over four yards per per carry Um, that to me I think is just what adds to this frustration of such an inept offense to create any sort of big plays in the passing game and I thought Matt Ryan was very honest last week in saying how big of an issue it was Um, he honestly and I think I mentioned this last Wednesday he laid a lot of the blame to the offensive line um, his arm looks shot to me, and I just don't see enough separation down the field. If you go back and watch the start of that game, how many balls did Kenny Pickett throw that look like seven-on-seven seven balls or routes versus air? And how many balls did Matt Ryan throw where it looked like Pittsburgh had 15 defenders on the field? Everything was challenged, contested, suffocated. Matt Ryan should have been picked off on the first play of the game. Instead, he was picked off on the second. Uh, And that just set the tone for the entire night. There is no respect from opposing defenses with the Colts passing game, and I don't blame them one bit. Uh, Tell me what you think of this tweet from Christy. Jake, please get rid of Matt Ryan now. Can the Colts, I'm sorry, can the Colts please get rid of Matt Ryan now? He's absolutely terrible. I have zero confidence in him to lead the team. The loss stinks, but I thought the adjustments at the half were decent. The defense was completely gassed in the fourth. Ryan was terrible the entire game. Probably not off base, right? No, you know, you talk about the third quarter. Obviously, Dallas Flowers sparks everything with the kick return. They they used a little tempo. Um, I thought they got Taylor going, and that 
Zeke and stymied a little bit of that Pittsburgh pass rush. I also thought from a Steelers standpoint, they missed just a couple third and shorts. Like Pickens had a drop in there. Um, Pickett had an air and throw. So you got help from them. I mean, the Steelers had some penalties that kept a couple Colts drives alive. Uh, but over the course of 60 minutes, this was very reminiscent of Colts Raiders. Two flawed football teams playing each other. And the Steelers are a little bit less flawed and probably a little bit more talented than the Colts. And in the Colts Raiders game, the Colts were a little bit less flawed than the Raiders. Let me read you, Kevin, one other thing that I was asked from Riley. This is a really good question, but I want your perspective on it because you've, you've been around a little bit. Do you think Ballard pushes the horseshoe guy thing too much, or is that an Ursay thing? From a personnel and roster construction standpoint, I feel like the mindset of putting a bunch of really good, hardworking guys out there is fine, but it seems to be more important than overall talent, and it's getting tired. I've always felt this, Jake, about Ballard's character belief, and I've probably, I I wasn't necessarily a staunch believer in early on. Um, I understand where Ballard's coming from. And I do think there's a lot of reasons to go that route. But I've also said this. You can't have 53 choir boys in there. you got to have a couple guys that have some screws loose. Right. That are willing to challenge each side of the ball. And I don't think the Colts have enough of that. Um, so to that point, again, having the high character, having guys that you feel like can handle adversity, and when adversity hits them, they're able to bounce back and recover. They're self-motivated. Um, all those things are reasons why Ballard is such a believer in that. But I do think at times it teeters too much on that, and you don't have enough of, frankly, you just don't have enough of an edge. Yeah, I, I think, you know, Reggie Miller always said that, that you need, they needed like a Ron Artest or, you know, just a guy that was a little bit out that now Ron Artest had ended up, you saw what happened, right? But most people will tell you that you need a little bit of crazy. How about this from Robbie? Matt Ryan threw a ball that was so slow, I thought it was a stadium blimp coming out to drop t-shirts. <laughs> was it the elevator? Do you realize... Does it not look like he's throwing change-ups out there? It does. Lots of off-speed pitches, you're saying? And maybe not even change-ups, maybe knuckleballs. Slurve, is that one? Uh, yeah, slurve. Can, yeah. can I just can I say this? I'm like, boy, I really... Is that going to get to Moali Cox? Is that going to get to Paris Campbell? This bewilders me. How is this possible? That stadium is a $720 million palace, which is a crown jewel of this city. And I'm not complaining because we have the luxury of a free admission and a press box where they give us pizza. I mean, I'm not complaining at all. You guys get in free? But <laughs> but for people that are going to like the suite levels or other such things, how possibly can you have two elevators and that entire building yeah there seems to be some elevator issues each week i mean i think about i actually thought about kevin like what happens if there's a medical emergency i mean there are some elderly people up on the top floor up in the media center i mean hell myself included i know a little about medical emergencies like what happens if there's a medical emergency roof is open get the helicopter I mean, in seriously like are I'm there like, steps i've always wondered that are there, i mean it's a, there are it's quite the climb. There are stairs. I mean, I've done that, but the stairs don't go back into the concourse. The stairs are one, like a, a closed thing that you can't get out of the stairwell until you're at the street level and it goes out. So, yeah, I mean, you could take stairs, I guess, if need be, but, I mean, it's seven stories. 
Let's get back to a few calls. Tim's been hanging on for a while. Tim, good Tuesday morning to you. Hey, good morning. First of all, season ticket holder, so definitely upset. But I would definitely pay to go back. I've already paid to do it. Um, just two questions. One about the Pacers, one about the Colts. How are we looking as far as getting somebody like Young or somebody? Our, our schedule looks extremely tough coming down the road, and it looks like now we're starting to drop near the bottom. And the second thing, I'm also a 10-pack holder for the Pacers, so I'm excited about them. But are we now looking at a playoff team as the rebuild over? And I'll just hang up and listen to you. Okay, excellent question. I'll, st- I'll take the first one, the Pacers question first, Tim. Um, I don't think the rebuild is over by any stretch of the imagination. They are indeed ahead of schedule. I think that they have exceeded expectation. The Pacers were very forthright about their expectation that they would stay in lottery contention for the better part of the year. Clearly, players feeding off of Tyrese Halliburton, which was their hope, um, has happened faster than they anticipated. I think they still would like to use, you know, they still have Cleveland's first. They're going to have their own first. I think they would like to add a couple of pieces to it. Maybe they parlay those to move up a little bit. I don't necessarily think they're in the, um, you know, number one overall pick category, obviously. But yes, I think they've tempered their adjustment, tempered their expectations of where they're going to be drafting. But I think that feeling like they are still figuring out which of this group is their core is still the intent over the course of the season but that might be becoming a little more clear faster than anticipated as for the Colts draft spot right now Kevin they sit at 14th to get a Bryce Young or somebody like that you're gonna have to be in the top three or five yeah one thing I want to add on the Pacers before I get to the Colts draft order um, I think you need a wing defender I'm talking a little bit bigger than uh, Matherin Um, I think that is something that you need to look into and then, I mean, we still have got to address the elephant in the room of Miles Turner. If he doesn't want to sign an extension here, you've got to trade him. Correct. Like that, that. I mean, that. I get he's had a really nice start to the season, and it's arguably, probably not even arguably, the best stretch of his career. But if he's not going to sign an extension, you've got to trade him. If and when that happens, who's your starting center moving forward? Those are the two big pieces that I see right now. The Colts currently 14th in the draft order. Four, seven, and one on the year. There are one, two, three, four, five teams above them at four and seven, and another four teams above them at four and eight. It should be noted the Colts have yet to play their bye week, or have their bye week, I should say. So when the bye week occurs, obviously those teams right now that are sitting at four wins but are above the Colts in the draft order, they have a chance to get an additional win that the Colts won't. Um, So the Colts are going to climb up. You would think they lose Sunday in Dallas. Then with the bye week, they should exit their bye week in kind of the back half of the top 10 if I were going to project. A lot of people are asking me, by the way, Kevin, what is Matt Ryan owed for next season? He is a debt. Now, can you explain what this means? Base salary, 19.2. This is for next season. Roster, $10 million. I guess that would mean roster bonus. And then a dead cap hit of eighteen million. Yeah, so Matt Ryan already has a um, it's a ten million dollar guarantee that's already um, I think it's twelve million dollar guarantee that's already kicked in for next season. So he's no matter what happens, twelve million for Matt Ryan next year. He's got a couple of bonuses that are injury related. So if he were to get hurt and not be able to pass a physical, 
then he's got an injury bonus. I want to say one of them is ten million and the other is seven million. So he's got seventeen million dangling out there that if he were to get hurt, this is another reason why I'm totally content with playing Sam Ellinger the rest of the season. Um, so you don't owe him $17 million. I, I don't need to see Matt Ryan under center anymore, and I especially don't need to see him week one of next year. So that's what you're looking at. Ad- an additional, it's already $12 million, an additional $17 million is out there for So next tell year. me what $18 million dead cap hit means. Your cap next season would have an $18 million hit against that if you were to, um, does that say cut or trade? Him, I I don't know if it's the same for a cut or a trade. Obviously, I mean, are you really going to trade him? I mean, who's taking that salary on? Right. I and I'd have to look into the retirement thing. What if he retires? Yeah, one would think. You think Jim Mercer will pay him twenty five million like he paid Luck? <laughs> I probably because if nothing else Matt Ryan represents the guy that like they seemingly at the time got out from underneath Carson Wentz towards right I can't believe it crossed my mind last night I'm like I'd rather see Carson Wentz what was that Mark I said oh my god <laughs> is that an oh my god that is an idiotic comment or oh my god I can't believe that that might actually be I mean that's a sad state of affairs at the end of yeah. November isn't it I, I trust me I, I couldn't believe when I said it out loud Take some calls. Nate Atkins from the Star joins us in 10 minutes. I mean, last night's got... Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Remove the Colts from the old in-the-hunt part of the playoff graphic, right? I mean... You know what the Colts are? The big gap right now in the AFC between the top nine and everybody else. Let me tell you what the Colts are. And I remember saying, I don't know, sometime around week four that I, this was my concern. This is the last thing that you want to be in the National Football League. Literally the last thing that you want to be. They're boring. It's boring. The only thing interesting about them is the, their their level of disappointment, but they're boring. And again, that's rare, Jake, for our fan base. Yeah, you know, I mean, we're used to the Colts having a great offensive product, right? Um, I mean, hell, look at the first four Frank Reich seasons. You were a top ten to twelve scoring offense. I mean, this year, I mean, the Colts got to seventeen last night, and it felt like a bit of a miracle. That they got to 17 <laughs> without the kick return game. Dallas Flowers and Isaiah Rogers deserve game balls. How, for last how many night. years did Ballard have luck? Uh, playing for him just 2018. Because so 2017 was Jacoby. And I know that. I know that for a long time Ballard, you know, got kind of excused because Andrew Luck pulled the rug out from underneath him. But Chris Ballard looks like a general manager that is still building a roster, assuming Andrew Luck is playing quarterback. Like, it almost yeah, I, feels I like the roster construction, even though you know he wasn't really constructing the roster, the roster at that time. But like, it's like he 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 still is the one person that hasn't accepted yet that it's over. You ever have a guy in your group of buddies or whatever that that 
went through a relationship where the he and the girlfriend broke up or divorced or whatever and like everybody's kind of like you know it's really kind of sad like Andy just hasn't gotten over it like she's not she's not coming back and it kind of feels that way right like everybody in this town has accepted sure I think people are still ups uh, you know disappointed that Andrew Luck's not here anymore but everybody else has, has really kind of moved on I mean in in NFL years that was like three administrations ago Except for that, like, that's still – it feels like Chris Ballard is still building a roster thinking like, yeah, but I've got Andrew Luck. I can have a porous offensive line because i got a mobile quarterback now. No, you don't. Actually, you have a statue with a noodle arm. He's standing outside Andrew Luck's house playing Peter Gabriel. Yes, he is. Sta- that is exactly correct. You know, two things on that Holding front. up a jam box. I know I've said this often, and I'd like to think I said it in the aftermath of Andrew Luck's shocking retirement – for the 2019 season, as soon as that happened, Chris Bauer's got to bring everybody in the organization together and say, we exhaust every resource to find the next guy. And we do it as quickly as possible. Because until we do it, then we have a defined ceiling as a franchise. I said mm-hmm. earlier, Kevin, the best news last night for the Colts was not only did they lose that game, but Kenny Pickett looked competent enough that Mitchell Trubisky might be available. The other the thing, Trubisky, Nick Foles, <laughs> tandem together. Let's do it again. The, again, I'm all aboard Dallas Flowers and Isaiah Rogers running the Wildcat to close out the season. The other thing on the Kenny Pickett front, again, Jalen Hurts is in a different class. Kenny Pickett, it was a reminder last night, Jake, of what a little bit of a threat with your legs can do for you. Kenny Pickett made some plays, courtesy of his legs. It's not like Kenny Pickett threw for 330. But yet he controlled things in the passing game and his ability to kind of move out of the pocket, either scramble or just get out of the pocket so now the Colts defenders are having to defend a little bit longer. The Colts have not had that. Every quarterback in the NFL right now that's successful has one thing in common. They can move a little bit, right? Tyler, I will remember exactly where I was when Ballard said this. His first words in that opening press conference, it's not about it's not all about one player. Uh, hey, Jake, please tell Kevin that I told my wife last night I'd rather see Wentz at quarterback than Matt Ryan. He is not alone. I, I get it, Mark. I, I know you're shuddering at me, but I can't believe I'm saying that out loud. I have never seen a quarterback panic as easy as he has done. What no Carson Wentz is that right there? You cannot make that mistake. Now, when that clip started, I didn't know if that was Troy Aikman in a Booger McFarland voice talking about Matt Ryan last night or if that was Booger McFarland talking about Carson Wentz. Troy Aikman did not hold back oh, yesterday. Man. He did not. He did not. Uh, we'll get more into this. Nate Atkins with the Apple Star. We still have to read our fan tweets of the game. Uh, did you guys notice a lot of Pacers flavor with the Colts fan reactions from the game? We'll do that coming up a little bit later in the 9 o'clock hour. Ryan feeling the heat, checks it down left side, this time intercepted inside the 40-yard line, picked off by Pittsburgh. First and goal, under center picket, man in motion is Sims, they give off, off right side to Harris, he is hit at the two-yard line, extends touchdown. the ball, and a touchdown is six yards out, Najee Harris, and the Steelers have scored the first touchdown of the game, the third time today they have found points 
and they lead the Colts by two scores. First and goal from the two. Pittsburgh 16, Colts 3. Taylor the back of the left side. Ball to your hash. They give it to Taylor. Scrapes off a block, and he's in there. Touchdown! So first and goal, Colts at the one, under center. Matt Ryan, Jonathan Taylor is the back. They give it to Taylor, and he lost the ball, and Matt Ryan recovered it back to the seven-yard line. The Steelers, though, think they have it. Oh, this would be disastrous. Ball between the hash marks. Ryan out of the gun. Taylor stays in as his back to the right side. Looking left, Ryan. Lost into the fade pattern. Into the end zone. It's a catch. Michael Pittman Jr. Touchdown. I-N-D-Y. Colts down by a touchdown. Matt Ryan with the ball in the near hash. Backs the throw. Deep drop. Good protection. Now he's going to take off and run. There he goes. 35. He's at the 30. Dives across the 25-yard line. And they're going to say he gave himself up at the 25 for a gain of 15 to bring up a very manageable third and two. I thought we had plenty of time. I wasn't really concerned. I'm glad he doesn't have any NFL experience. I'm glad he hasn't learned the fear that's in this league. Matt's going to continue to be the guy. We're going to, like I said, we're going to keep, keep moving forward, keep pressing forward with what we got. Twenty-four seventeen, Colts lose last night. They play one good quarter, four seven and one now on the season. To talk more about that, I know he had a late night, so I appreciate him waking up with us. He's Nate Atkins from the Indianapolis Star. Nate, I want to go to the fourth quarter, that final drive, and just the time management from Jeff Saturday. As you were watching that unfold, maybe hearing the Saturday explanation afterwards, um, what were your opinions, or what what are your opinions on how? They handled that situation. Interesting. You don't often see a team that's, you know, in hurry up mode like that and they get to a third down play and the clock's under a minute and they're down a touchdown. They've got all three timeouts and they're just not very interested in using them. And uh, just the explanation for it, I mean, I understood, I understood sort of the general, I guess, philosophy of it. His idea was that because you have three timeouts, it, it didn't, you know, whether it was 50 seconds, a minute left, I mean, they were going to be able to control, and they, they felt like they had the number of plays they'd have either way. And I think in his mind he's thinking you know, they had this game plan of, of hurry up to the line when you have a play like that, a, a chunk play, uh, and, and just run with Jonathan Taylor and hope that that becomes the surprise. Uh, problem is they didn't really, you know, they didn't hurry up. They, they let like 18 seconds go off the clock. Uh, and then they snap it, and then, you know, then the run play doesn't work. And it's, you know, it just was, I, again, I kind of understand some of the philosophy of it, but it's definitely not what I would have done because you're in a situation there where, uh, you know, they're down to like the 26-yard line, and they've got, all of a sudden they've got 30 seconds to go that many, you know, that many yards. And that you don't know how many plays you're going to have left if you get the first or whatnot. But, You've got a, a play caller in his third game in, in Park right. Frazier, and I, I just thought they could have given him a moment to you – know, timeouts are not just to, to stop the clock from running. It's also to give yourself time to do the best that you can do. And I thought they could have come up with a two-play sequence there or at least come up with a situation where they're putting it on Matt Ryan and his ability to get to the line and read it. That's how they've come back in the past. This one just fell a little bit forced, like they were trying to force a new identity, and 
uh, it really did not end up working out. You know, and a little bit more on that, Nate, like you also had two rookies playing prominent roles on that final drive. Uh, Jonathan Taylor's not used to being on the field in those moments. I, I, I get that, you know, that might not, you know, matter, but he's not typically a two minute back there. Um, the other thing, too, is, and I know I'm probably nitpicking a little bit, you know, if you take a timeout after the scramble, you know, maybe it gives a chance for the booth to review that if there was a question about the spot. Um, I also thought, you know, maybe take a timeout there at the end when Pittsburgh was kneeling it. Just the fact that it's a rookie quarterback and an injured center, I I don't know. I, I know that's grasping at straws a bit there, but I just thought there were other areas to where even if you got the fourth down, you still are taking a timeout there. 30 seconds to go 20-some yards with one timeout. Considering this offense, that's no guarantee. Yeah, it's one of those where I, I just think a you know, you've got to have a plan or some idea of, of when you might use those timeouts because you can't take them with you, and they need to be they need to be to your advantage. Whether that is stopping the clock, whether that's yeah making Steelers at least at least step in another couple plays and see what happens, or whether that's just giving your your offense a chance to breathe because, like you said, it's it's so hard for them to gain yards and, and do all of the things that you're asking them to do anyway. So so use them to your advantage. And the Taylor thing is interesting because. Just the week before, like you mentioned, they had Deion Jackson in there as a two-minute back, and I, I followed up on that the next day, and Jeff Saturday made it made it sound very matter-of-factive. Well, Deion's the two-minute back. That's why he's in there. That's that's always the plan. And this week was like the opposite of that, where it was very matter-of-factive, like, oh, JT's the guy we go to and hand off to with 30 seconds left. That's the plan. And it just feels a little bit like they're, they're kind of making up as they go along, which is what's happening because, you know, this is – a new role for Jeff Saturday for Parks Frazier. And, you know, they, it's an offense that they, they stepped into and was not very good. And they're trying to find kind of anything they can get to to, to get it going. So what is, it's kind of tricky because on one hand you want to, you know, you give them credit for trying new things and, and try to make adjustments. But at the same time, though, I just I, I think ultimately what they needed to do more was lean on Matt Ryan and his expertise and kind of let him guide those moments as they're kind of getting their feet under them and, uh, and I think they paid for it last night. Our guest is Nate Atkins. He's on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Nate, I had posed this question earlier to Kevin. I've asked it kind of rhetorically over the last couple of weeks, but I'm curious your opinion on it. Are the Colts now at a bit of a crossroads or a pickle? Because after last night, we can definitively say, you know, maybe mathematically they still have a shot at a playoff berth, but they're out. I mean, they're done, right? You put a fork in them. You have a coach in Jeff Saturday that I understand and respect is probably going to want to win games right now and put all chips in, to use that phrase, towards winning each game respectively. You have a general manager in Chris Ballard, one would assume, that may want to get a look at different pieces that he can inventory to find out what, in fact, he does have moving forward, even if it comes at the cost of winning particular games right now. Do they have multiple initiatives amongst multiple people in their front office yeah this is a tricky spot that a lot of teams get into because usually you know when you are four seven and one or you're in a spot where where the playoffs are not a possibility for a lot of teams that was not the plan coming into the year and so you have guys like who are trying to prove that they should keep jobs or just don't maybe have that security i'm not sure where you know, where Chris Ballard falls on that, you know, for a long time here, I thought he's, he's a guy that seems he's always operated like he has tons of security, but I don't know how you know, anyone within the Colts organization can feel that way 
with the way that Jim Irsay's kind of managed the season. So it's one of those situations, though, where I, I think it's just going to play itself out because they can go this week and they can go into Dallas on a short week on Sunday night football and they can put all the chips in. And that's what I expect them to do. And I just think the results will push them, you know, even more down this road where it's, it's not a conversation of, you know, can they make the playoffs? It's they can't make it, you know, and when, if they fall to four, eight and one at that point, you know, given how, you know, where the Titans are in the division, I think at that point you can, you can kind of confidently say, uh, this just isn't going to be the year for that. And so then if, if you move in that direction and you're able to kind of create a new lens for Jeff Saturday where you say, okay, th- this year's becoming more developmental. We're going to, you know, we're going to protect the health of certain guys. Like if they, if they move some players to injured reserve and they start playing, you know, gearing game plans more around Alec Pierce and developing Jelani Woods. And it's more about let's see how Jeff Saturday works within that and not make it all about, you know, just about the win-loss record. Uh, there are ways to, to kind of do that. That's the spot that, that uh, Carolina's in, and they're going to kind of make a decision on Steve Wilkes as he's trying to win within this uh, kind of hampered situation where he doesn't have a team that's very good and doesn't have a lot of chance to win. So it's not a spot that anyone wants to be in, and, and, and it gets awkward here because this was supposed to be a team that, that was going all in for. That's certainly what Matt Ryan came here for, what Stephon Gilmore came here for. So uh, it's not – it's not going to be pretty no matter how it plays out, if that's the direction it ends up going. But uh, I just think eventually the math is going to kind of make that decision for them. Snade Atkins from the Indianapolis Star. Him and Joel Erickson do an outstanding job on the Colts beat, and he joins us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Nate, I thought um, it was the oldest I've seen Matt Ryan look this season. Last night, um, I thought it was a very relevant question to be asked in the postgame of, is Matt Ryan going to continue to be the starter? Jeff Saturday said yes. Again, at Dallas this Sunday, then the bye week, and then four games to close the season. Um, I think you maybe answered it in the previous question, but when do you think this season gets to a point where we see Sam Ellinger again this year, if at all? Yeah, I think it starts with that math element of it, of actually being to a point where you can't tell Matt Ryan, hey, you've got a chance at this. Uh, I also think that's another thing that, that will probably play out on the field because really all it would really take is another injury to Matt Ryan or even the type of shots that make it feel like an injury is inevitable here. Uh, you know, a lot of the game plan that they're rolling out right now is to do anything but let him get hit. And I think that's, that's really limiting this offense. They, they look incredibly simplistic, you know, running routes, the depth of routes they're running to just not risk any kind of hit on Matt Ryan. And so they're kind of telling defenses exactly what they're running. And, you know, they've got a quarterback who isn't going to extend the play and isn't going to be part of the run game. And it's it's led to this, this offense that Matt Ryan, you know, is not lifting up really at all. And so uh, it's just one of those where I, I think there will eventually be a moment on the field that, that starts this conversation more, even more than just the play and the losses, something that has to do a little bit more with health situations and, and getting it there. But the, the thing they got to consider here is if the goal with, you know, if you want to move to Sam because you think he can play better or he can spark it, that's one thing. That's what they tried. That's what they said weeks ago, and they then they decided that that he was not that guy. But if the the idea is to develop him, you know, you got to keep in mind that this is is still a very broken offense for any quarterback to step into. You've still got a head coach who's spent three years in the NFL as a coach and a, and a play caller who spent three years calling plays at any level or three games calling plays at any level, and so. 
that's not the best way to develop a young quarterback if that's what you want to do. In fact, I think the, the idea is that Sam behind the scenes is developing quite well for a guy that you know was drafted in the, the sixth round and has a developing arm and really wanted to learn a lot of the game and learn from Nick Foles and learn from um, from Matt Ryan. So there will come a time where he can learn more with live reps, but it's still this is this year is never really supposed to be the year for him to do that on the field. So you have to wonder kind of you pull that plug again and you know obviously send a message to Matt Ryan. You send uh, and you send one to you know, kind of the rest of the the team and, and you got to wonder if that that's worth it. If it's worth it to do that. Um, for the possibility to develop Sam, or do you make it worse by by hurting a kid's confidence? And then the other thing they have to consider is that Matt Ryan is under contract for next season. That's going to be a decision they have to they have to work out. But if they get to a point where they're drafting another quarterback and that they want to kind of groom him because he's not ready, you want Matt Ryan to be in on that. And so if you're pulling the rug on him a second time, benching him the second time, it just gets a little bit messy. So I think it's one of those where it's always going to be easier if they let. Um, something organic make that happen. Um, you know, if health ends up deciding it, or or maybe it just gets so late in the year that he's willing to to kind of dial it back a little bit. Nate, I'm going to give you three things. You tell me which one you think most would keep Jim Mercey awake at night. Okay. Number one, his team is sub 500. Number two, his team is considered by fans to be boring and unwatchable. Or number three, forty percent of his stadium is filled with the opponent's supporters. Uh, I think those last two are definitely getting there more. Uh, you know, it's bad seasons happen in the NFL. It's, it's you know, I know it frustrates him for sure because he, of all people, thought this was a a win now year. But uh, I think he, I think he can at least rationalize that that's where this was was kind of headed, and that's why he fired a coach in the first place. Or at least you'd think. The problem though is he really this is a new spot for him to be in where his team is kind of becoming irrelevant and also that, you know, just how kind of critical the, the conversation's been around his franchise, its direction, uh, him in particular, like it's moved beyond the point of, well, they, they had a good team, but their quarterback retired early and they're competitive and they're just come up, come up a little bit short. Uh, the, the further that this goes, you know, and if they, especially the way that, that it's going of, you know, scoring 16 points a game and, Moments like last night where they're on national TV and they have zero yards after the first quarter, that's stuff that I know Jim Irsay pays attention to. He very much is looking out for sort of the image of the franchise the and the, just the overall momentum of it with locally and nationally. And he loves getting primetime games. And in, he was on top of the world last year when in a, the moments that they were in primetime, you know, they beat the Cardinals on Christmas and they beat the Patriots. And so he really wants them to play their best in those moments. So when they are not moving the ball and, you know, there's opposing fans that are that are getting loud there and getting more energized for the game than his home fans, it's all keeping up, keeping up, up at night. And I think that's why he's managed the season the way he has. And that's been the big disconnect is some fans have thought the moves this franchise has made uh, this year have been to tank, and it's it's so far from the truth. He he's doing all this out of desperation to win and to try and get a team that on Monday Night Football can come out there and, and be competitive. And he really thought that that this was going to be a change that, that helped in that direction with Jeff Saturday and like he thought with Sam Ellinger. He really thought these would be sparks that that would get it there. And so each time that there's a reality moment like, uh, you know, at, at new England putting up three points. Uh, and then he, you know, he reacts by firing the coach. This, this is another one that's 
going to sting for him the way that the offense looked, the way that it's not fixed, and the way that uh, the energy within the game was for another team in that game that was 3-7, and seven, and it wasn't his. Nate, last one for me. And again, Nate Atkins from the Indianapolis Star covers the Colts alongside Joel Erickson. He's with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. This is certainly not near the top of the Colts' issues this season. But a storyline entering the year is how would Michael Pittman and or Jonathan Taylor play in kind of contract years for them? I mean, that's that's typically how you know good second-round picks, um, that's how their third year is viewed. It's a four-year rookie contract. Um, do you think they have been a slight disappointment considering, you know, maybe the preseason expectations for them? Again, when you factor in maybe the second contracts that you saw from the whiteout group uh, in the previous draft class of the DK Metcalfs, Debo Samuels, those guys, and then in Taylor's case, um, a little bit of health related on that front, but it just seems like you can't ignore these fumbles. Yeah, I think they would both tell you that it's disappointing uh, this year, I know Michael Pittman would certainly say that he's become kind of the most self-critical player on the Colts, and he's the one that will set super high goals. And uh, he hasn't told me what his goals are for this year, but I, he told me last year, and they were, you know, thirteen hundred yards and all pro. And uh, and he said this this year's goals were higher. And I think that first game when they came out, I mean, uh, from a team perspective, it was not good for them to tie the Houston Texans. But those two, you know, those two were dominant in that game. Um, they both had you know, 100-plus yards and a touchdown, and that felt like this is how this would go. Is those two would have to carry them. That day it didn't, it didn't end up being enough, but, uh, but it has not built on that at all. Like last night was Michael Pittman Jr.'s first touchdown since the opener, uh, which is kind of shocking to think about. Jonathan Taylor went uh, from the opener all the way until the Raiders game, so he got his second uh, touchdown. So our second rushing touchdown. And so I think both of them, they can take some responsibility because they've had moments that they want back. Jonathan Taylor's had the fumbles. Michael Pittman has, has had a couple drops in his own fumble against the Titans. Uh, they, they've not kind of risen above what's going on here, but I think if you're being fair, you have to realize like this offense isn't set up for really anyone to thrive. And really you look across the board and the only player that you'd say is kind of you know, meeting or exceeding what he wanted coming in right now is probably Paris Campbell, uh, because even you know Alec Pierce was doing it for for a bit, and then that's that's since fallen off in the past few weeks, uh, just naturally because there aren't targets to go around and and all of that. It's just an offense where you know their, their offensive line just missed the boat so much that it's you know it's it's gotten too many play, too many players hurt along the way. Taylor got hurt has dealt with that all season long. He's not been himself. Matt Ryan has gotten hurt, uh, you know, and it's it's just made it, you know, now, now they're to the point where they don't want Matt Ryan to get hurt so they don't run plays down the field. So we only got to see Michael Pittman, like last night, that jump ball he had where he, he got the pass interference call on the Steelers. That's the kind of play that he ran all the time last year. That's what got him to 1,000 yards, and they aren't even attempting. They're, and this, they're intentionally telling everyone we're not attempting those because we don't want to get Matt Ryan hurt. And they think that's kind of the new identity of their offense is trying to survive just a complete lack of blocking up front. And so when you have that, it's hard to overcome for any players. As great as these two are, Jonathan Taylor and Michael Pittman, they are you know they are third year players. They they haven't um, they haven't quite hit that level of just you know dominating no matter the circumstances. And and that was kind of been the, the I guess the tough pill to, to swallow at least with. Uh, at least with Taylor, I think, with, you know, coming off the, the, the year where he led the league in rushing by 
uh, almost you know by more than 500 yards was that you know he is mortal and he does need a system and, and last year they for, for some of the flaws of the offense they had a run game system with Jack Doyle and an offensive line that did run block pretty well and that was their identity and uh, and, and it was new to the league and this year it's all kind of falling apart and it just kind of showed you just how difficult this league is and that's I think that's what they're having to realize and, and work through right now is like this league is super hard you can't do it on your own and too many times this year they've been left to do it on their own. Nate, you stop at a gas station, you go in to get a soft drink. What are you buying? Oh, depends. I'm, I'm a big coffee guy. I was going to say, I see Nate okay. shotgun coffee so, in the Colts media room. So you go to buy, let's say, a bottle of like the Starbucks pre-made coffee, whatever. You open the, the you twist the cap and a genie pops out. And the genie says, Nate, thank you so much. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to play a game. You go, okay. And he says, I'm going to give you four names You've got to write down, you've got to select one of those names, and if they are a member of the Colts organization one calendar year from today in the same capacity that they're a member of the organization right now, I'm going to give you $10 million. And you go, great. And he says, the four names that you have to pick from, if they are in the same job and role with the Colts one year from now as they are right today, your four names are Bobby Okereke, Chris Ballard, Matt Ryan, and Jeff Saturday. Which one do you pick? Oh, interesting. Um, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Chris Ballard still. Uh, it's tough because I think that one's gonna come down to the coach he's gonna work with. Um, so it's kind of going down a different rabbit hole. But I I ultimately think that that's there's gonna be a rationalization from Jim Mercer's or often has been that that this is uh, that this is you know not Chris Ballard's job. That's uh, not not his uh, not his fault, I guess. Is season. Chris Ballard finally going to be allowed to hire a coach? Because he did it one time, and that guy didn't want to come. And since then, Chris Ballard uh, has worked with, I guess, what, three coaches now, and he didn't hire any of them. Yeah, that's a great question. And, and that's and that's going to be a question that, that Chris has to answer, too, is that, if this is still the fit for him. And um, also, it's, that's, a, that's a totally weird, different uh, entanglement to get into. But yeah, that's a good question. It's all tough because I was I was tempted. I, I don't think it'll end up being Jeff Saturday in this exact role. Um, but it, to me, it was between Ballard and uh, and Matt Ryan because Matt Ryan is under contract, and they may just roll with that. Um, but you know, they they may pull the plug too and, and, and really go in that direction. So that's it's a really tough one. It's the toughest franchise to kind of predict this this future path going on because it's hard to even know. <laughs> you know, it's hard to know what they'll be in a month let alone from uh, the start of next year. But I guess if I had to guess right now, I think that they'll find some way to, to kind of just give Chris Ballard a chance at a reset here. Uh, and you would think that that would come with those things where he can pick his head coach and then he'll need to pick his quarterback and not from you know a, a, a group of stopgap options, but actually draft one for the first time, draft one to be the starter. That's got to be the, that's the thing Chris Ballard's never done. And maybe you can argue he never, I think if, if you want to keep him around, the argument is he's never quite gotten a good situation to do it in. And this will be the year that, that they try it and see how it goes. But, yeah, that is hard to predict exactly how that's going to play out. Yeah, predicting what Jim Mercer is going to do is a game that um, you're probably not going to win at, frankly. Um, Nate, I know it was a late night for you and a quick turnaround this morning, so really appreciate you hopping on with us. And uh, we'll see you tomorrow out there at the Complex. Yeah, sounds good. Thanks for having me on. It's Nate Atkins from the Indianapolis Star right there on the Payless Circus Hotline. Mark, I noticed you had another audible gasp. That, that's a couple you've had today. Yeah, the thought of Ballard being back. I don't think a lot of people would be overly thrilled with the fact that he might get another shot at 
putting his name on the roster that he's currently put on on the field so far. I'm with Nate. I don't have a great read on the situation. I don't think anybody does, right? Jim Irsay was very public in backing Chris Boward when I asked him, you know, a month ago, whenever that was. God, it seems like two years now. Um, he could have chosen the route of we're evaluating everybody right now. This is a part of the franchise we didn't expect to be in, and uh, we'll see about that at the end of the year. He decided not to go that path. Granted, he publicly backed Frank Reich two weeks before firing. You know what they did is they completely shifted the focus, the spotlight, and the microscope on Chris Ballard. By bringing in Jeff Saturday and getting rid of Frank Reich, it was like, okay, we've taken away all variables that could have been the issue. Yeah, I I agree with a lot of that, Jake, although the national focus saw Jeff Saturday mismanage very poorly the clock late in that game. And that's not a good look. I'm glad he doesn't have any NFL experience. I'm glad he hasn't learned the fear that's in this league. Yeah. yeah we... uh, that, that's fair. But at the same time, it's a three-win team with a rookie quarterback and a rookie wide receiver that came in and put you in the position right. of having Jeff Saturday. And I hear you, Jake. And I think that's what makes it so hard to like evaluate Saturday. Are we evaluating him on his record? Oh, are we evaluating him on those moments we saw in the fourth quarter I don't late, think, late last night? I don't think Jeff Saturday's a head coach is even being evaluated. You know what I mean? Like, I think it's like... I, Do you think Jim Irsay wants him in 2023 no matter what? I think Jim Irsay wants him in the front office. And I think that Jeff Saturday, from a coaching standpoint, gets... I'm not going to say gets a pass, but I think people realize like he's just there to keep his hands on the wheel. Right? Hey, hold the wheel. Will you? I got I to gotta change sweatshirts while I'm driving. Can you grab the wheel real quick? That's what Jeff Saturday. Don't want to get in a planes, trains, and automobiles situation with that, <laughs> which is just so odd, though. Like if you make him interim, basically what you said there is you think he's the permanent. If you can't evaluate him in these eight games, which again I think there's so much gray area in evaluating him. I don't know what the exact. Here's the blueprint for evaluating Jeff Saturday here in these two months. I, I don't know the answer to that. I just know this. I know that they're boring. But they were boring before. Correct. So again, to your point, that's a reflection on your roster. I just think going down and going to a game and, and paying your money, I, it's it's a it's boring. Two more home games. Monday night against the Chargers, the Monday after Christmas, and then what will probably be one of the biggest tickets of the year, Colts-Texans to close out the year at Lucas Oil Stadium. <laughs> I'm telling you, you, get, you, if you want to know how big a ticket that is, do 80 on 465. They'll pull you over and give you two of them. That's how big that one is. Uh, Pop quiz coming up in a few minutes. Let's do a morning checkdown. The morning checkdown brought to you by Ball State Basketball. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. My apologies. No pop quiz today. We will continue to take some calls and go with fan tweets. I forgot that we are recapping a Colts game. Uh, But Jake, let's start with the Pacers. What's the attendance going to be for that Colts-Texans game, by the way? What day? That's January 8th, isn't it? Sounds yeah. right. I yeah, mean, that, it would be worse if it was the day after Christmas, for example. Jake, I think that's the preseason game idea that you always have talked about of if you can and don't want to go to the game. You should do that. Yep. Uh, let's give those tickets to some kids that have never There's experienced an NFL Adidas game. game. Oh, yeah, that's Spiro. <laughs> Without question. Been waiting for it. Uh, last night, out in Los Angeles, just as you were going to bed with visions of Colts snafus dancing in your head guess what the pacers found themselves down 19 to the los angeles lakers and a furious comeback was capped 
by a rookie who played his college ball on the West Coast, Andrew Nimhard at Gonzaga, as the clock was running down and the Pacers were down 115-113, and this is what happened. Halliburton to inbound from the far side. He'll flip it to the top. Turner is wide open, but he missed short with a three. Rebound Halliburton. Three seconds to go. Drives to the wing. Nimhart beat the clock, and it's over! Nimhart beat the clock with a three from out on the left edge as time expires. The call on the floor is good, and the Pacers are mobbing Nimhart. Uh, Benedict Matherin had 23 points and 8 boards. LeBron James had 21 and 7 for the Lake Show. Tyrese Halliburton, 24 points, 14 assists. That is now 40 assists since his last turnover. In the face of LeBron James, Andrew Nemhard to ice that one or to win it. He did it defensively against Tyler Hero um, a little bit earlier this season. Some pretty special rookie moments from him and Benedict Matherin so far. Pacers Kings Wednesday night. Uh, Purdue moving up. In the college basketball rankings, as expected, they climb up to number five. So that was, what, a 19-spot jump in the AP poll there. Uh, They've got Florida State tomorrow in the ACC Big Ten Challenge. Florida State is not good, uh, to put it lightly. Uh, Indiana, uh, they are at 10. They've got North Carolina, who dropped a lot from their issues in Portland. Uh, North Carolina also lost a four-overtime game, so I'm curious to see what they've got left in this tank tomorrow night. Armando Baycott. They're all-American big fella. He's a little banged up as well. I would expect Indiana to be a heavy favorite in that one. North Carolina is 5-2. and two. They are 15th in the latest coaches poll in terms of the AP poll. North Carolina falls to 18th overall. Uh, today at 2 o'clock, the United States men's national team, their final match in the group stage. They need to defeat... Flock of Iran, seagulls, right? They need to beat them. Iran can play just for a tie, so that'll be interesting to watch. Just the attacking mindsets of those two teams. I saw a headline yesterday, Jake. I don't know if you saw any of the press conference clips from Qatar, uh, but some people are calling this the most politically charged World Cup match ever. Really? Tyler Adams, United States captain, fielded quite a few questions on the political front yesterday from Iranian now- media. And uh, there's a little bit more at stake than just advancement out of Group B for these two teams. So the United States, though, has to win. Has to win versus the draw or win. So if it's a draw, Iran Iran advances. If it's a win, the United States advances. Correct. Okay. And I was talking with, again, my buddy Tyler Kiever, coaches soccer at the collegiate level. He said his worry here is their style – Iran is to kind of pack it in to begin with. In the United States, it's been an issue in scoring goals. So if you have a team that's thinking defensive mindset, we'll do anything to get 0-0. They parked the bus. Uh, and the U.S. is struggling to score. Not ideal. But nonetheless, should be unbelievable atmosphere and environment for the U.S. today at 2 o'clock. All right, 2 o'clock is when everything gets underway. Fan tweets of the game. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Do that next here, Kevin and Corey.
Post game headlines. You're listening to Kevin and Query on 93.5 and 107.5. The fan. I mean, I'm sure the late night had to do some with this, but I have noticed the reply starting to dwindle a little bit on our Mark Dykton sending out the five words or less. How would you summarize last night's Colts game? I think you could sum up in one word. Apathetic. I would. Think we're getting there. I think that's going to be a popular word here into December and January. Um, this one from David. Pickett's hands lead to a loss. <laughs> he has little hands, remember? Uh, I like this one. Pacers win on buzzer beater. <laughs> I got one that said, can Matherin throw it 25 yards? Charlie Sheets said, stayed up for the wrong team. Uh, Logan says, shrimp cocktails in press box. I I missed that, if that's the case. There were some tears because I heard some cheers from the press box, which is frowned upon, by the way. I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, but I might as well. Joseph, dink dunk rhymes with... Well? Insert word there. I I guess I'm not going to fully say it. I'd like to maintain my job here for another day or so. I was going to see if you were going to go there. Bill Ramika says, better days ahead. Maybe. That's longtime radio and television personality, Bill Ramika. Phil, timeouts carry over, right? (laughs) (laughs) Let's end the game with two of them. Mike, pathetic excuse for clock management. Scott, all chips in and lost. (laughs) Walter Reed, when will this be over? Jay Hurley lost season on Ballard's shoulders. What was the one you said about Kenny Pickett? Because here's another good one. Pickett hands out a loss. Yeah, that's that's a that's the same one. That's From a David. Really, yeah, that's a very really good. good one. Very good on that front. I knew that would make you make you chuckle. Um, yeah, I think <laughs> I'm- tanking for Victor Wabinyama. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you imagine him? I saw a video over the weekend of Kevin Durant during the lockout playing flag football or like intramural football at Oklahoma State. It was hilarious to watch. I'm just imagining the the Thunder ownership group had to, had to be thinking that. Do you feel time. like last night people shifted gears in their mind into basketball season? Yeah. I think the Eagles loss was the gut punch, Jake, in that you blew it late. It was such a, you know, high Highly anticipated home game. It was the Jeff Saturday debut. You had just beat the Raiders. So that was the gut punch. I think last night was you've been knocked to the canvas. And they'll get up and they'll try on Sunday night in Dallas. But that would just be the fatal blow to it. But for a lot of people, being knocked down to the canvas and being 4-7-1 and it's not even December... Yeah, you know and what? Then the, these next four games coming up, good lord! Right, it, you know it, what the Colts could use? I, I just it, it, it makes me mad sometimes when I think about stuff too late, right? Like a ten oh three, that happens to me all the time. Thank you, Mark. <laughs> it just dawned on me what the Colts need. Who do the Colts have next on the schedule? The Cowboys on Sunday Night Football. Perfect. They could use Micah Parsons. Perfect. So prime time matchup in Dallas. What the Colts need is if if they could find themselves a coach in the state of Indiana, maybe one that's an hour away or so, that's a motivator. 
one that gets guys knowing that a game is on national television and can walk up and down and get guys rallied up and get guys to buy in and lift their spirits and get a fighting mentality out of them and and exude an energy and just an overall oomph and enthusiasm that makes guys want to go run through a wall. Settle down just a little bit. A guy, for example, Jerry Jones, like, say, Tom Allen, who's done it at the high school level in this state, done it currently in the college level. Why not at the pro level so that the Colts could hear something like you this? Only, I, I can't guarantee this is great quality. Okay. Well, th- th- yes, I, I can tell you it's not. Uh, this is what the Colts need right here. People said bucket. <laughs> Two. I, I can't tell you. They how- scanned the camera and one guy's eyes were rolling. I can't tell you how much my throat hurts every time I hear Tom Allen talk. <laughs> you want a lozenge? Yes. I think I have one in here. I am feeling a little bit under the water. Tom Allen, but- fisherman's yeah. friend. Got one right here. Yeah. Imagine talking to Tom Allen and Bruce Weber at the same time. Oh, like, like, oh my God. Man. <laughs> Poor Bruce. Poor Tom. To your right. point, Jake, about turning the page to basketball season, I mean, Purdue, Indiana, and the Pacers are all giving their respective fan bases plenty of reason to watch right now. Yeah. Plenty of reason. And for Indiana and Purdue, you get the ACC Big Ten Challenge coming up tomorrow night. Then you get into those couple of Big Ten home games. Indiana still has Arizona and Kansas. Purdue's got a nice one against Davidson over at Gamebridge Fieldhouse. That's, those are the lawyer brothers matching up against each other. Um, you know, I think there's just general intrigue about Thad Mod and Butler. I know it's not a great, great start for Butler by any means, but uh, and then obviously when the Pacers return from their Western trip in December, be plenty of people that'll want to go over to Gamebridge Fieldhouse. So when you couple those two things together, again, a Colt season unlike any I can remember, um, and given my age, you know, I'm certainly showing it with that. Um, but considering the preseason expectations, the basketball options around town there's a whole lot to look forward there i don't know why but that tom allen clip to me never gets old (laughs) i don't know what we're yelling about i I, I thought that was him again (laughs) (laughs) i mean what i honestly like it's like he was walking back and forth just like coming up with anything that he could say like what is the part about let your DNA show. What what does that mean? Maybe watch exactly. Jurassic Park earlier. What, I mean, what 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 exactly is that? Uh, to be fair to DNA. Tom Allen, they did have a halftime lead. Yeah, I know he was running around maniacally punching people because they were up seven three. It was one of those moments at the end of the game where I thought there was a chance that he would try and go steal the bucket, <laughs> like a little bit of a you know, give me my gold jacket, Shooter McGavin style. Yeah. Like, I thought we could get that scene from Tom like, Allen there. Kind of looks like Slugworth from Willy Wonka. You remember that? The guy who was like, yeah, take, get the candy, get the recipe. That's who he kind of reminded me of with that. Tyler goes, last Sunday night, 
Cowboys drop 40 on a good Vikings team. Over under spread may start at 21 and a half. A nine and a half, correct, Mark? Uh, it's up to 10 last I 10? checked. Yeah. Colts at Cowboys here. I believe the Cowboys yeah. are number one in the NFL in point differential. Dallas is really good. Season. Dallas is the best team that we hear nothing about, right? Biggest spread in the NFL this week. I mean, it's got to be I've that been... one or, or the Dolphins playing. No. Who are the Dolphins? Who's playing the Texans this you week? you got the Browns as a touchdown favorite over the Texans. Deshaun, Deshaun Watson's, Watson's yeah. return. Uh, Baltimore, eight points over Denver at home. Also, you have the Seahawks as an eight-point favorite over the Rams on the road. Show you where the Rams are at. How about the Rams, man? We got a good one on Thursday night. Bills at Patriots. Mm-hmm. That should be a good one. That would be a good game. The Sunday night and Monday night games, hey, not so much. AFC East, man. I mean, Bills, Patriots, Dolphins, and Jets, that's I mean, a heck of a division. Jake, how about the NFC East? Commanders of what? Won six of seven? Five of six? It, it's a, it, When Taylor Heineke starts on Sunday, it'll be official that no chance the Colts can get that second round pick. From Washington, it'll be a third Was rounder. It, is it based on starts for Wentz or snaps? Uh, snaps. So, I mean, I guess if they went to overtime in their final five games and Carson Wentz somehow started all those games. But Heineke's not getting benched anytime soon. Basically, Wentz needed to play 12 games, and he's missing out on that. Man, I mean... So everything that could go wrong for the Colts is going wrong, basically, <laughs> is what you're saying. It's all going according to plan. Uh, Phil's been hanging on for a while. Let's get to Phil before we hit a break. Good morning, Phil. Hey, thanks, guys. Good morning. Yeah, I was getting ready to say uh, Carson Wentz strikes again, right? So, uh, Seriously. Hey, you know, I was going hey, to call in, talk about off-season moves, you know, like, hey, all chips in, do what you got to do to get Lamar Jackson here right. But, you know, after listening to you guys just talk, touch on a lot of things, uh, about, you know, horseshoe guys, you know, and this and that. It's like, man, anymore, that's the last thing I want to see is quote-unquote horseshoe guy here. <laughs> you know, like, honestly, man. And it's and it's like, you know, we're sitting here with this public service announcement of kick the stigma, and really what this franchise needs to do is kick the stigma of being in the lower quartile of the lower quartile, a losing franchise. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> I love that. In the upper quartile of winners, yeah. we're in the top quartile of that upper quartile. That's rare air. All chips in. I mean, the key, the key to close out is can you get in the upper quartile of the draft order, right? You know, That's the, where the Colts need to be in the upper the, quartile. The beauty here. of the rare air quote is that it bumps up against one where he's standing clearly in front of an airplane yeah <laughs> where their best chance now of getting up into rare air is to get on that jet there's not a jet fuel there so there's probably not much oxygen over there now actually. jeremy did want to point out this he said that next year will be year seven for chris ballard michael jordan won his first championship in year seven okay well so the you rare- know how many shots michael jordan's missed you know how many games michael jordan's lost that's my favorite quote. <laughs> I, that was my favorite too. How many? Ga- as I said last night, how many games did Michael Jordan lose? Where forty percent of Chicago Stadium was the other team, the fans of the other team. And again, it's it's you're losing and you're boring. And Michael Jordan has championships. Not even Ballard can't even hang division titles up. All right, let's do it one final time here we on what looks like a really nice Tuesday here, late November in Indianapolis. 
Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Are the Colts coming out of the tunnel, Mark Dyton? I'm waiting for the motorcycle. <laughs> we're talking about the in-game entertainment. I figured everybody. You loves know the it. one thing. Okay, everybody while, while loves we're it. at it, while today's just been a, a a poo on the Colts day, I don't know when this came about. And it, it, but playing the Sweet Caroline thing, I'm not saying it's not a good song. But number one, it's been done before. The Boston Red Sox owned that like 50 years ago, mm-hmm. where they play that song. And then number two. I'm sorry, but the song itself is a little bit creepy when later Neil Diamond admitted that it was written about Caroline Kennedy, and then somebody did the math, and they're like, wait a minute, she was like 12 when that song came out. Now, what's the big song that Michigan likes to play that we're going to hear a lot this weekend? Mr. Mr. Brightside. Brightside. Yes. If you're in a bar, and I'm going to be in Milwaukee this weekend, but if you go out downtown Saturday night, and you go into a bar that has a lot of Michigan fans, play Mr. Brightside on... I, jukebox is, I realize, not appropriate. Whatever those things are now where you can use your phone and pick the music overhead. But you play Mr. Brightside, the entire bar will stop and sing along, and it actually is pretty fun. I'm telling you. United States get it done today? Two to one, they will win. Let's go. I'll say, yeah, they get it done. I like it. Let's go! I like it. Two o'clock. I need Tom Allen to fire him up. Relentless! <laughs> Greg Berhalter Ber- just zooms in Tom Allen. Can you imagine jumping through the zoom at him? Get in your DNA or whatever he said. Yeah, uh, tomorrow we'll have Stephen Holder. We'll have Jeff Smolian on tomorrow and a big night of hoops coming up tomorrow. So we'll chat all about that at 7. Everybody have a great Tuesday.